0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter
2: at Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at one eight five five Chat BYU.
2: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend now on BYU Radio.
2: BYU Radio.
3: Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side, along with Jeff and Terry. The gang's all here. You'll be swell. <laughs> Happy uh, Tuesday morning to you. You
4: were waiting for me to sing.
3: I was wait. I know it just made your day. Whenever I break into a little vibrato, I always have to look at you and see how you respond, and that usually my vibrato brings on your vibrato. It's a beautiful thing. It's just a match made in choir heaven. Got a great show today. We got uh, so much to. We we've got to be talking about. Holy cow! I don't know if you've been paying attention, but. Um, uh, Roy Moore's, uh, you know, he's still running. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he could win it. He could Maybe. win it. Well, yeah, now he's got the president backing him. He's got uh, the Republican uh, Senator or National Committee now is is coming to his aid, giving him some funds, I guess. Does the president's stamp of approval carry much clout? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He invigorates his peeps in the Alabama area. There's a peep tweet. Um so they're all they're all gung ho but again this is really cuz they need they need votes. The president needs votes. So my fear is what is he saying to all of these women that have been allegedly um hurt or harmed or abused years ago by Roy Moore. Those are allegations, right? Well, but, he's either saying that they're not true
4: or That's – you know, this takes precedence. The election is the
3: most important thing, that we get a Republican elected. And I just – I don't like that thinking, that you – that it all – it's we need the votes. so who cares what the person did? That, to me, is just crazy thinking. America first, Matt. Exactly, which is why we should vote by values and not just these positions,
5: right? think, Think of the country over the individual. America first.
3: And can we not forgive
4: somebody for something they did 30 years ago, allegedly?
5: Well, yeah,
3: unless it was a felony multiple times. Then, by the way, in forgiveness, we can forgive the soul, but somebody needs to...
5: And at some point, you have to kind of admit to something to yeah. be forgiven for it.
4: And, you know, we only have to forgive them 77 times. So w- Time what seven. are we up to? I think what it's are we 77 so times
5: 7, isn't it? No, it's
4: 70 times 7. Oh, you're yeah. right. So, yeah. so, so we've got a lot of forgiveness. Let here. me do the math.
3: But uh, anyway. Um, forty-nine. <laughs> you yeah,
4: don't even worry about numbers. 400, 490 I think times. it's
3: more symbolic than an so actual i So I'll, I'll figure out online how many forgivenesses we've given them or how many yeah. times we've... Because this is the problem is that it just gets muddied and in fact uh Nancy Pelosi made a really big point about this that oh no it was Diane Feinstein made a point about this that it just keeps getting muddied everything just gets we have a new story every day and he just keeps stirring the pot so it gets muddier and and crazier but you know then they get Paul Manafort in prison or not in prison, right. but they get him charged.
5: Well, he's on house arrest.
3: Then, yeah. Then they, then he gets bail Apparently by posting $11 million in property.
5: He's co-authoring or ghostwriting op-eds in his defense. Now so he's in So they're trying to stop yeah. him from doing that.
3: So he may lose his bail because he's out. Uh, yeah. You can't work with Russians on on opinion pieces. <laughs> and um, yeah. he violated maybe his bail. So now they're all after Paul Manafort again.
5: He's not supposed to do anything in relations to the media. And he's out there trying to write. Or the Russians. Or the Russians. And he's trying to write an an opinion piece supporting him to help him in his sentencing process. It's hard. Oh, it's hard. It's hard to know what to do anymore. Hmm. Do I write the opinion
3: piece with the Russian spy or do I not?
5: And decisions decision. and what's the quality of the house arrest if he's able to make these kind of contacts well apparently
3: when you put down 11 million dollars mm. in backing up the fact that you won't flee
5: hmm you're free to he, oh, he wasn't even on house arrest giving a, up any your, anymore your three passports yeah yeah but Should, I, I Shouldn't think, you have one well how do you have three well, i've got two you want to explain that not really don't like, you have one identity yeah, you think so? If he had yeah. two more, are those yeah. your identity or are they assumed? Maybe their
3: personalities. He, he has. Okay, I mean, a lot of people have multiple personalities, so he something's going on there. But he yeah. I bet, apparently he was he was he was about to be allowed to fly anywhere he wanted to. Oh wow! And so I don't think his house arrest was as house arresty as it seemed. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> he even was losing. I think I think he didn't even have his uh, bracelet, his little
5: his uh, ankle anklet, bracelet, his
3: anklet. <laughs>
4: He wasn't getting the butter knife, trying to yeah. butter up his ankle, and no. hmm. not
3: working like that anymore. So Roy Moore stays in the news. Uh, President Trump was in Utah, and basically, with the with the just signature of a pen, undid two um, monuments. Well, shrunk literally two monuments: yep. uh, Escalante, what was it? Grand staircase, Grand staircase Escalante. Escalante, and Bears, Bears ears. ears. Boom. Uh, one from President Clinton, one from President um, Obama. By the way, didn't apparently worry about any monuments from President Bush, <laughs> but shrunk some of these um, and then you know left the state, but got, got a lot of applause and cheer. I mean, a lot of people in the West don't like you coming in messing with the land, which apparently a lot of Democratic presidents don't understand. <laughs> so the Republican <laughs> president went in and fixed that. So... Life's good. Uh, travel ban. The Supreme Court looks like they're going to finally uphold the third version of President Trump's travel ban. That's all good news. Hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's good news or not. I don't even understand it. it. Depends on your point of view. I mean, he had to write the travel ban three different times. Well, he didn't. Well, his peeps yeah. and it added a bunch of other countries to make it look like it was more
5: less of a Muslim Ban. Yeah, they threw North Korea and I think Venezuela in.
3: North there. Korea and only like certain leaders' families in Venezuela. Oh, okay, good. So it was selective. And there was one other group that, that wasn't I think like it a was, Muslim country. I think it was Hawaii, and
4: that's actually a state. But, you know, if, people often Democrat, make that. It's a very democratic state.
3: People often make that mistake. Oh, they, they're it's not so on far the travel out there. Ban. They get
4: forgotten sometimes.
3: I, I'm going to go visit them. By the way, we have uh, a a wonderful listener. I got news of one of our listeners in Arkansas, or Hmm. Arkansas. Listens to the show, loves it.
5: Can't get enough of it. The Trekker? No. Well, you just called it Arkansas. Well, that's how, that's just... No, it's my Kansas. (laughs) That might be offensive. You don't know. Yeah. You got to check with him first. Arkansas. Is it him? Yeah. Okay. I was just assuming. I don't know why. Well, sexist. Yeah, well... That's been proven.
3: Okay. Let's get to the headlines. Uh, What else is going on around the news that we should be paying attention to?
5: U.S. Representative John Conyers Jr. has decided not to seek re-election. The New York Times report, the longest serving member of the House of Representatives has faced a wave of sexual harassment allegations by former employees, including a new one just Monday. Oh, no, really? Yeah, that one happened in a church. It's not uh, resigning. He's going to retire, says the 29-year-old Ian Conyers, a Michigan state senator and the grandson of Conyers' brother. Oh, wow. His doctor advised him that the rigor of another campaign would be too much for him just in terms of his health. The younger Conyers plans to run for the seat. The elder Conyers is expected to announce the decision in a Tuesday press conference. He has denied all claims of sexual misconduct, except would, there's some payouts and some other problems. And something. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great if you could get out of any scandal
4: with a doctor's note? That would be. Oh, I've got hives. Yeah. i gotta, I got to bow out of this one. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you could claim anxiety and get yeah. out of everything. Yeah, Roy Moore could claim restless leg syndrome. There you go. This is why oh, had that's to chase people around
3: the worst the mall
5: <laughs> I had to keep moving The US Supreme Court ruled Monday that President Trump's travel ban can be enforced in full for six Muslim majority countries in order to supplant a June compromise that allowed the enforcement of an earlier version of the ban but exempted people with a quote bona fide US connection The new order comes amid ongoing legal challenges so this yes. is still in the courts but they let it go forward Wow. We'll see how that works. He, the ban, if you see, that's a great
3: testament of, that if you just keep rewriting it, stick to itiveness, stick to itiveness, you'll eventually get your ban through. How about this one? No? How about this one? No? no? How about, okay. How that... about,
5: What do you need us to add to make us keep this? Uh, the Republican National Committee is jumping back into the Alabama Senate election on behalf of Roy Moore. The news was first reported by Breitbart. The decision by the committee to put money and staff behind the Moore campaign comes hours after President Donald Trump formally endorsed the Senate candidate who has been accused by multiple women of uh, sexual misconduct. Following the malls, a, a new woman, one of the accusers, I believe, found um, a note that he had written her after her graduation. Yeah, handwritten note, little card. She was trying to, yeah. you know, decorate her uh, house for Christmas, uh-huh. and it was in some, you they, know, all that stuff. They apparently had dated,
3: and and had had a consensual kiss,
5: ooh. but she was
3: seventeen or eighteen. She old was, was she? still underage, ooh. but it was consensual. But um, anyway, because the age of con- consent is different there. But one of the things about that is. It, it just shows that he actually did know these girls. He kept saying he didn't know anything about any of these
5: young women. But and There's one of them that in the when he had the interview with Sean Hannity, yeah. he says, I knew her. I don't remember the exact events. And then now he's saying he doesn't know any of these women. Don't know any of them. His people are saying the women that are accusing him of um, sexual assault, those are the women he doesn't know. Okay, well, it's good to clarify. Well, we
4: talk about on the show often how we can't even remember what we did over the weekend. I mean, yeah, this was thirty years ago,
3: right? Well, see, I mean, what you're supposed to remember everything? No, just past abuse issues. I remember mm. girls chasing. that I've kissed, though. I'm sure they remember
5: too. Yeah, <laughs> they're still. Never mind. A a party committee uh, normally follows the directives of its leader, but the RNC decision signals a remarkable reversal for the committee. The RNC has been hypercritical of Democrats for any ties they had to men facing sexual harassment allegations, having pressed lawmakers to return campaign contributions from, among others, Harvey Weinstein. Mm. And after the first allegations emerged against Moore, the RNC did eventually cut off its own fundraising ties with the Moore campaign, but they restored him because, you know, President Uh, Trump called him up and said, go get him, Roy. And some sometimes quote, by the way,
3: uh, not the girls don't get them. No, (laughs) but one of the things we will have to address at some point is this is impacting people's willingness to say that they associate with the values of the Republican Party now. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people are not feeling like they're a part of the GOP anymore. Because this doesn't represent who we are. So it's funny. It obviously was politically savvy to distance themselves. So they all jumped on the board and ran away, hoping that he would just fizzle out and die. Right. And he didn't. And now, because they need a vote, they're all jumping back on board. But what's the long-term ramifications of not listening to women who are saying that they've been abused, especially... With the Me Too world right now, where yes. so many people are on board saying
5: Me Too. So I think the GOP is going to regret this decision. Fun little video out there with uh, comedian John Oliver talking with Dustin Hoffman. Oh, really? There was a, uh, they had a, like a panel discussion uh, celebrating a, a, I forget what the movie was or TV show that Dustin Hoffman was, but it's a 30th anniversary. They're at this film institute. They're supposed to be talking about that. And then it gets off into Dustin Hoffman's. Uh, situation where he was accused of making inappropriate oh, comments. No. Wow! And John Oliver expressing the way you apologized for that didn't seem like you truly understood why it was wrong, and then it just went on for seven straight minutes of and Dustin Hoffman wouldn't let it go. And John Oliver kept saying, "I understand what you're saying. I just don't believe you understand what you're saying." You know. Yeah. And as he Hoffman would say wow. a comment, and the crowd would be like, "Whoa! Come on! Come on! Come on, man! Come on, Dustin! Wow, you can't that just went say sideways. That. So you can see that video. Mm-hmm. It is uh, it is you're, fun. You're gonna want to look that up. Uh, and finally, this one uh, kept me uh, laughing yesterday. Uh, Extreme Barbie Jeep Racing. Come again? Extreme Barbie Jeep Racing. Hold on, is this is this real Jeeps? No, they're the toy ones, the Barbie those sort Jeep. of Power yeah, Wheels. Yeah, yeah. Your little kid gets in them. Okay. Um, this group, you can type in type in Barbie Jeep Racing. There's all sorts of videos. I put one up on our uh, on our Twitter account. Grown men yeah. in these plastic cars with helmets on, trying to race down a hill, and then they they flip. Oh and boy! And they're just racing and crashing, and it's. Funny, Holy as cow. you're watching these these gentlemen do this, it says, racing too often devolves into a war of equipment, not a test of skill. Cast-off kids' toys are everywhere, though, and accessible to the common man. There will be no F1-style bickering over revenue distribution and budget caps here. It's even uh, fine to giggle at Barbie Jeep Racing's low-light reels. The biggest injury seems to be a scraped elbow. Some competitors get chased down the hill by their cars or have wheels fall off their cars. They beat them over as they come across the finish line. They get hit by the rest of their car following them yeah, down yeah. there. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. Not, also, let's not forget the people who just pick up a chunk of the car and run over the finish line. <laughs> there's no, yeah, there's the- one video where a guy is coming down the hill and the, the actual seat he's sitting in pops out of the car. He grabs the seat and, like, stumbles across the the line. But it's really quite a fun thing to kill some time with.
3: It's it's one of those races where you have to wear a neck brace. (laughs) Anytime you have to wear a neck brace... And then this guy's helmet pops off, and he's just sitting up against a hay bale, and luckily he's got his neck brace but on still. As you're
5: watching the video, look how many people are watching. There's so many people there. And by
3: the way, where are all the shirt sleeves? It seems like every one of these people lost their shirt sleeves. Well, there's that. Oh, this is crazy. And they, they don't make the track. But oh, luckily there's big piles of rock in <laughs> the middle of the track. They
5: don't smooth this thing out. It's full of all sorts of potholes and stuff. They want people to flip and... Hit their heads basically. So uh, I got this off uh, Jalapa Link, which is a car well, like j- you know Jalopy, well, Jalopalink Jeff website. used to have a Jalopalink. Link. So uh, they the the staff there got an email from the group that runs this event, and that's called uh, Rednecks with Paychecks. they <laughs> <laughs> are out of Texas. We've actually had um, a couple of their events featured on our show. Yeah, for some reason we really like Rednecks with but Paychecks. They do some. Uh, there were some monster truck things we were talking about. Uh, they got in touch with the uh, the website. They said their next. Next events coming up uh, over Spring Break, March fifteenth through the eighteenth. Wow! If you'd like to uh, RSVP, that's for weird your seats. That,
3: they, that it's associated
4: with Spring Break. Yeah, and the Ides of March.
5: that's Brute, bless you. <laughs> um, I just thought that was kind of a funny. Video. Wow.
3: Okay, because I was going to suggest another video oh. for your son. Oh, okay. Have I, you I seen? I think he'd enjoy this one. Well, I think he would too, but I don't know that I'd let him see it. Why? Do you think he'd try it? Just the audience. Hmm. The crowd is. The... Oh, oh, here's one. Apparently, without. <laughs> oh, this is the no clothing. They are. They're wearing.
5: What are you watching? No, no, no. He's got like Ouch. a. He's got like a full like. Uh, it's a. It's a suit. It's like a full head to toe suit he's wearing. No, no,
3: no. These are these guys are going skins. And um, he just crashed without his shirt on, and that left a mark.
5: Yeah. He's got a scraped elbow. He's fine. No, but fine. for your son, what yeah. I was saying oh, okay. is
3: you there is Thomas the Train.
5: I'll, what about the Avengers trailer? He's already seen it, but- No, 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 no. no okay, no, go ahead. No, no, Thomas don't even, the Train.
3: You don't need to go see the Avengers things. Um, Thomas the Train has a, uh, what's it called? A stunt video where a guy took his Thomas the Train set- Oh. And did stunts okay. with Thomas the Train, nice. where they jump rivers with the train. <laughs> okay. Hey, you know, they did, they did stunts with Thomas the
4: Train in the film Ant-Man, which is also a Marvel movie. It is true. Did they really? Yeah, they
3: did. It's one of the funniest parts of the movie. Well, you're going to want to see this. So we'll, we'll post this on our Twitter feed as well, um, because if you like Thomas the Train or if you have children, my kids all grew up before Thomas the Train. Oh yeah, my kids were all into Barney, the purple uh, dinosaur. And um, why do you think I prefer Thomas? Hold on, why did you say it that way? Are you I, okay? That's kind of rude. But the Thomas the Train stunt video, um, intense stunts, jumping gaps, um, like <laughs> like, bridges, like a like a riding, quarter inch gap, riding a rail. I mean, doing. A, well, now that yeah. was impressive. So check it out on our, on our Twitter feed, at Dr. Matt Show. You're going to want to see that, especially if you're from Arkansas, where we, we know we have a lot of listeners. We also know we have a lot of listeners in Missouri. So, you know, stick with us, folks. We one by one, or we will win over every state in the country. We'll just keep going one by one. Even Alabama. Including Hawaii, which is a state. Yeah, it is. Oh, I'm, I'm going to go to Hawaii soon. It's really? Just, it's just an island, though but it's a be- holy cow. It is the most beautiful place. I mean, every state's got something beautiful going on. That is boy, 24/7 beauty. Hey, today also we're going to be talking about 30 million workers without a bachelor's degree. We always hear how, you know, you got to get your college degree. It's all about the college degree. The only good jobs out there are in college degrees. Come on. 30 million jobs out there. Great jobs. Good jobs. With a bachelor's degree. So, we'll be talking with somebody about the great opportunities that still exist if you choose not to go to college. This is the Matt Townsend Show. I'm doing what we can to give you a leg up in life. say that a college diploma is the new high school degree. Manufacturing jobs are disappearing. So does that mean that there are less jobs for high school graduates? Here to answer that question and more is Neil Ridley. He's the director of the State Initiative at the Georgetown University Center on Education and Workforce. And, Neil, we appreciate you being with us. Thank you for your time.
2: Good morning. It's good to be here.
3: Talk to us about uh, this. We hear that all the time. You know, it's important to get a college degree. College degree is the best way to make sure you get a job. But um, your research, your work is, is really important, telling us that there are 30 million workers out there without a bachelor's degree, and they have good jobs.
2: That's right. When most people think about this, uh, most people are very familiar with the, the high school to four-year college degree pathway or, or, or route in life and there's much less attention, much less awareness of of career options and jobs for for people that don't complete a bachelor 's degree uh, don't don't get a four year degree or more and so so that's what we we set out to do and as you said, we found thirty million jobs uh, across the country for the that that pay well that pay well um, for those without a bachelor 's degree and 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 we defined good jobs uh, we defined those jobs that pay well as jobs that pay at least thirty five thousand for younger workers and forty five thousand for older workers and that translates into about seventeen dollars per hour for younger workers and about twenty two dollars per hour for for older workers
3: that's that that is actually to me very hopeful because uh, the idea that every person should go to college or can go to college or would benefit from going to college um or is able to go to college it, it's it doesn't seem realistic and so uh, it seems like otherwise we just leave everybody hopeless that yeah sorry i guess your life is over um but you're you're saying there are good jobs and uh, i mean $45,000 seems like you know in such that's that's a teacher salary that's that's um that's a pretty good job it seems like what what are the fields that that you see these jobs in what what kind of uh do they need any special training how do, and how do they go about getting some of these jobs
2: Right well we found uh well some some good examples are uh from different different industries so first of all we we looked at we divided the good jobs into two primary categories blue collar blue collar good jobs, and good jobs in skilled services and We actually found that good jobs uh, for those without a bachelor 's degree have been growing uh, much faster uh, in the skilled services area and the, the classic example in uh, the classic example of a skilled services job would be in the healthcare field, which mm. I think most people realize is growing quickly with hospitals in every community and clinics. And so, so, so one of the classic examples is reg, a registered nurse or a health, and a, and health technicians who might be working in hospitals or clinics. We also found uh, jobs, good jobs for computer support specialists, which are needed in lots of industries, lots of, lots of companies. And then on the blue collar side, we sent, we found uh, quite a few good jobs for uh, automotive service technicians and construction workers and HVAC uh, technicians, that's heating and air conditioning mechanics, and, and and then on and on. We have a whole list of, of those examples in our report.
3: Hmm. I mean, it, it sounds like what we're hearing too, though, with some of the blue collar, um, a lot of the manufacturing jobs, I guess, we are losing right they're going away, yeah. but and those used to be good jobs, I guess as well, but just because they're going away doesn't mean there's not other jobs,
2: yeah, that's right. I think we found, and that that was one of the main findings in our research was that uh that in the past a lot of the good jobs for workers with for for high school graduates and those without a without a bachelor's degree um were found in manufacturing in other blue collar industries. And we found um not not surprisingly given the headlines that that we've all seen in recent years and you know, over the last decade, good jobs in manufacturing have declined quite quite sharply. We found uh uh good jobs in manufacturing actually dropped about two point five million um during the time that we the, the period that we looked at and and that certainly fits with a lot of the headlines that people are familiar with but we did find the positive side was we found a shift toward good jobs in these uh, skilled services industries that I that I mentioned yeah. health health services is a classic example but also financial services and we we actually found gains of about 4 million good jobs in those skilled services industries
3: and it seems like uh you may not need to go get a bachelor's degree but a, a lot of these uh good jobs still might require some tech training, some specialty, maybe, um, I don't know, some, some opportunity to, to learn a trade or a skill.
2: Yes, exactly. We found that education matters for sure in the job market. And it used to be possible uh, 20, 25, 30 years ago, perhaps even longer, that it used to be possible to land a good job uh, right out of high school, maybe with some minimal on the job training at a at a at a company at a plant or a mine or whatever, that's less and less true and we found that a lot of the good jobs, uh, especially more recently, have been going to workers with some education past high school, some post secondary education and and training, and we found especially there was a sharp uh, uptick or sharp increase. In good jobs held by those with associate degrees uh, so so that re- that obviously requires some community college uh, or two year it requires some some college experience yeah and then of course and then of course, as you mentioned, there are uh, lots of jobs that require that require a certificate, a technical certificate, or some kind of a certification for the job that you 're looking for
3: like the journeyman to i mean uh, in In certain um, fields in in uh electrical in or electrical uh, electricians um I, I look at it that really part of this is is you gotta you really gotta find what you like to do what your, your what your abilities are what your skills are, and then i guess obtain the most learning you can whatever that is um, does do you see these numbers fall out uh demographically in a certain way are are minorities equally uh accessing and able to access these these good paying jobs as as maybe traditional white communities are.
2: Right, that's uh that's an interesting point and we we just started to look at that in the in our national report and we're going to be doing we're going to be doing much more work on that going forward. Uh, just so you know, so good. we can probably we might be able to talk about yeah, that again in a, in, a, in a few months. But but the, uh, the nat- in our national report, we looked at the change in good jobs over time. And we found that uh, that uh, white white workers uh, have the largest share of good jobs now as they as they did back in 1991. But that you know they've they've lost some, some share. And then uh, Latino workers have actually. Gained share, of, gain, you know, increased their share of good jobs over time, and that, that fits because it's, the, the uh, Latino workforce is growing very rapidly in lots of different parts of the different parts of the country, and then uh, South and the and the West in yeah. particular, and then um, and then uh, good jobs held by Black workers uh, have been pretty much flat during that period. There hasn't been a lot of growth in their share of good jobs.
3: And what do you attribute that to?
2: Um, not sure. Um, you know, we, as I said, we're going to be doing a lot more work, uh, more analytic work, to look at what's behind some of these trends. And I, I think, um, you know, some of it is that um, that a lot of the the good the, the good jobs that are still available in uh, in skilled trades and in some of the in, 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 and that are still available in manufacturing and other in other fields um, are still you know. Still held by white workers um, by you know by some margin and so so but we have really, we need to look at this I mean clearly the Latino workforce trend is pretty apparent because yeah. it's been stri- striking growth. And that really fits. But we really need to look more closely at what's going on with uh, with black workers in particular.
3: Hmm. Again, we're speaking with Nell Ridley, who is the director of the state initiative at Georgetown University Center on Education and Workforce. And he's talking about uh, some research they've been doing where they found that 30 million workers without a bachelor's degree have good jobs, um, meaning good jobs anywhere from thirty five to forty five thousand dollars and above. Um, Without a bachelor's degree, a lot of these are skilled service uh, uh, workers, um, but a lot of them also have some technical experience and technical degrees. Um, It also seems like and maybe this is true with the Hispanic world as well, that there is there is kind of a regional um, uh, opportunity depending on where you live. And do do you find that to be true that are there certain places in the country where people are more able to make a living, are more able to get ahead not having a college degree than in other places of the country.
2: Yes, and that's, that's a finding of our most recent report. We looked at how good jobs are playing out across 50 states and, and the District of Columbia as well. And, uh, and, and you're, you're right. I think one of the really striking findings that we had was that there is a lot of variation beneath the surface of the national trends, so beneath the, the the national trends that I was just that I was talking about a few minutes ago, and uh, and 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 I think it really uh, states it amounts to the fact that that states have different economies and very different job markets, and and some and some states have uh, have economies uh, and industry in a mix of industries that that naturally provide more jobs. Uh, a number of good jobs for for workers without a bachelor's degree without a four-year degree the other point that we found there's there's definitely a strong connection between states where there's been a lot of employment growth uh, overall employment growth such as Arizona Texas Florida and other states in the in the West and uh, and the growth of good jobs for those without a bachelor's degree so, so there's clearly a connection but uh, there's also, but the, but there are other factors as well. So, so for example, we found in the Northeast and the Midwest, good jobs uh, actually in, in many of the states uh, were uh, there were net losses that there were actually fewer fewer good jobs uh, at the end of the period than there were at the beginning, and that was really those states were particularly hard hit by the decline in manufacturing jobs mm. that we that we started out talking about. So you think of the classic. Uh, Uh, You know, the losses of manufacturing jobs in Michigan and Ohio, for example, you know, as auto plants and other and other factories closed down.
3: Interesting. Yeah. And so, yeah, harder hit that rust belt and and other areas. And And then if you're not having this big infusion of companies and jobs, then, yeah, you're stuck in a town or a city without a degree and without jobs. That's uh, which, by the way, that we've talked about the opioid epidemic and other problems, suicide rates, how that's been impacting it there as well. Um, what about women versus men? Are is there a difference in your data showing how men and women take uh, are able to to take advantage of these good jobs?
2: Yes, we started to look at that, and and we're gonna and again we're gonna be. Probing some of the the demographic trends a little bit more closely in the next few months, in the next year, what we found is that that men actually have claimed uh, most of the good jobs that go to workers without a bachelor's degree, hmm. and that's true back in that was true back in 1991, and it's true today. It's true right up to the the current uh, current time period. And uh, so, so roughly, you know, so men have roughly seventy percent, so you know, more than two thirds of the good jobs that go to workers without a bachelor's degree, and and then of the course the question is why is that right? Yeah, right. Why is that yeah. So why, um, you know, why has this, ha haven't women gained a greater share of these good jobs as especially as the, the industry shift has changed? Right. As we've mm-hmm. shifted more towards healthcare and. Um, more toward up- skilled services and away from the traditional blue collar industries and I think uh, i mean I th- we just have the beginnings of answers there but but one one part of the answer is that that men that that there really there still are even though there have been huge losses in manufacturing in particular, there are still quite a few good jobs in other blue collar industries construction and transportation and others that men generally that gen- men generally dominate or have, you know, have a lot of, uh, hold a lot of the jo- good jobs in. And then on the, on the other side, um, a lot of the, you know, many of the jobs that women may move into in healthcare services, for example, may not actually be, they may be part-time or they may be um, not as well-paying as, as other healthcare <laughs> jobs. And so, so, there, so there's probably a couple of trends, uh, ha- you know, working on both sides of the gender divide there.
3: Yeah, that is interesting. But then, too, I think, haven't I heard statistically more uh, women are attending college than men right now to get bachelor's degrees?
2: Yeah, that's actually that's a great point is that 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 women um, are outpacing men in terms of college enrollment and women, women the women are seeing a lot of gains by by going by taking the high school mm. to the four-year college degree pathway. Yeah. And and men and 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 because because so many of the good jobs for for workers without a BA are still in uh, even you know as a, despite the trends that we talked about are still in uh, in many blue-collar industries that tend to be more appealing to to men and uh, men coming out of high school or coming out of community college that uh, that that's that's um that's why you know that's also why you see a larger tilt toward men having having those good jobs
3: yeah it's it's fascinating too coming from a university here where you know we'll have two or three of our producers graduating you know in a few weeks and they'll leave with a degree by the way a humanities degree generally or a communications degree and um They'll leave to go get their jobs, but they may not start at this good range. You know, they may not even start at this range you're talking about um, of thirty five thousand dollars as they right. go start with a bachelor's degree. Yeah,
2: that's yeah, that's a good point. Now, I should say that yeah, we I just mentioned the uh, the threshold that we counted, but when we looked at all of the good jobs that go to workers without a bachelor's degree, we found that the median. The median annual pay was actually fifty-five thousand. Was it really? And which is yeah. So that's so. So there are quite a few of those. Quite a, plenty of these jobs that pay, uh, well north of you know, well above yeah. the forty-five thousand that I mentioned as just the starting point. So so yeah, there's um, there that we did yeah we did find that fifty-five thousand, which is, is is a healthy and as you say competitive with um, with. Uh, depending on your degree and yeah. your area and Certain where you fields. are in the country, right? Yeah, it's competitive with some some other degrees as well.
3: Neil, what advice would you give um, uh, our children, maybe that are that are not sure what they want to do, but they def- they don't think that they're college able. <laughs> they don't. They don't see that in their life, but they do see maybe a technical skill or a technical trade or an associate's degree. What advice do you give parents um, to make sure that you're at least getting your children the best opportunity to get a good-paying job with no college degree?
2: Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, that's a great, great question, and I think that uh, there are really several, several points. I think, first of all, we think that uh, when I say we I mean the, the scholars, the researchers here at the Georgetown University Center on Education and the Workforce, we see early work experience and early career exposure as, as very important. So I, I, we think that, uh, that, that, that young people really should have some exposure to careers, internships, jobs, uh, many you know, obviously many high school students old part-time jobs or uh you know work a little bit on the weekend or during the summer and and that that's invaluable in helping helping young people figure out what they want to do what 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 areas interest them what, what start to look at some of the skills that are involved on the in the workplace and then the other the other piece is uh information we have much better data than than we used to. Certainly, better data than when I was when I was a high school student or, or even younger. There's much better data available at the state level, at the national level, from from colleges on websites about about careers and about uh, what what you can earn if you if you go to college and major in a certain area or you you take or you go or you get a job without that doesn't require a bachelor's degree so that i, I would urge um, everyone to to really look at that data really in uh, study it and digest it and and think about it in line with your with with your interests as you, yeah. you know, as you as you explore jobs and then the third thing is given the trends we're looking at, given the trends that we've seen that that education really matters in the labor market it's it's really it's important to think about being in a position putting in a position putting yourself in a position to get additional education and training when you need it and if you need it as you go into your career so, so even if you don't even if you don't start at a on a at a at a four-year college campus for example you want you might want to think about the education and training you will take that will Still position you to be able to transfer there or or go go get that degree if you find you you want it and need it uh, in you know in a few years
3: yeah no that 's great, great advice. Neil Ridley, thank you so much for your insight. Neil again is the director of the state initiative at the Georgetown University Center on education and uh, and the workforce. Great insights folks about uh, you know, if you, if you choose the option of not going to college, don't think it's over. Don't think you have no hope or any opportunity. You do. You uh, There's a lot of good jobs out there uh, with a median income of $55,000. That's pretty amazing uh, with no education. Plus, think about then you become an owner of your own company. You become a, a leader of your own company. And um, a little more initiative, you make even more. Powerful stuff, helping you get a leg up in life. This is the Matt Townsend show. You're listening to BYU Radio.
5: Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach.
2: Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner.
3: Play ball. You know, folks, one of the most important roles I think we play as as adults, as parents, and I see it in my office a lot as I as I meet with clients. Um, we have a very specific responsibility to help our children find their light right to find their gift to find what they are bringing to the world and in in doing so we have a responsibility to bring some hope and but it takes some discernment you've got to you've got to figure out with your kids what they can do to um to go attack the world and impact the world and be a positive force in the world and i wonder if we do enough of it because i think we think uh the schools are going to help our children find themselves and figure out their their gifts and their talents and their abilities and i i don't think that's the school's responsibility i don't think it's your teachers your children and their teachers um job to to go figure out your child's talents that i think is uniquely the parents' responsibility, um, and, and it, you don't, it doesn't have to be oppressive and scary. It's it should just be a natural part of life. What do you see your children uniquely gifted to do? What about their personality um, can set them up for a great life? And and you might be worth giving your children this kind of feedback. I have children that. Are just like me in a way, incredibly optimistic about life. In fact, many times I feel like that's a weakness of mine because I'm so optimistic that you know the world can be falling around me and I'm still thinking, "Hey, we still have a chance." But one of the the issues I found is um, I have I have for example children who uh, their friends are all out selling pest control door to door, you know, which hey great. I think that's awesome. If you can go make, uh, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars 50000 in a summer, and then that can support you for a year or two, go do it. I think that's great. I just know that my kids can't do that very well. That's not in their. I mean, they could go get it done. But it's not in their wheelhouse of something that they could do comfortably, or something that they would enjoy doing. Um, they would have a nervous breakdown, <laughs> having to, to, you know, talk about pests with people. In another state all summer long, but my—I just had a son that went to Colorado to do research, and they still had to go pretty much door to door, but they were doing research. Didn't pay as well, but they—they they were giving back to families and, and communities, doing some research for for um, a program here at BYU, and. He found his gift. He found his ability. He found something he loves to do, and he's so excited. He's excited to go do it again next summer. But before that, he was battling to try to decide if he should go sell pest control in Oklahoma. And I looked at him, and I'm like, would you like to do that? And he's like, not really. And I'm like, then why are you even considering it? We, we need to be the guide on the side for these kids. And help him understand their own personality. Now, sure, if he had gone, he would have learned that he's not good at that, that he would have learned that. But he doesn't have to make the mistake or go have the trial if we could guide him a little bit more and help him understand what he's good at. Help him understand what he really does well. Is he a communicator? Does he tend to want to be with people or be with less people? Is he more of a thinker? And, and start guiding him to what he does well. There's assessments you can take all over the place. Um, and, and, and what are his unique gifts and traits? What does he love to do? What would he spend his time doing anyway? Um, well, he'll just play video games. Great. OK. So he likes technology. Is he good at technology? Then lean him toward technology. But parents, we need to give our kids some direction. There's nothing more powerful for me than when my wife once told me, I really think that you could be a good like TV reporter or anchor. The minute she said that, I finally had the liberty and the freedom to go after what I wanted to do instead of pretending like I was going to be a lawyer or a doctor because that's what the people in my life did. So parents, let's step up let's give our kids a little more direction, a little more insight. You don't have to do it for them, but you can definitely give them some feedback in a loving way. And I think it'll go a long way for the rest of us. Um, You know, lift the world by lifting our children. That's uh, the Coach's Corner. We'll continue the journey up next. Great story about uh, a firefighter with a special uh, history that led to a very incredible present. Welcome back, friends. You know, a uh, wonderful story about a man named David or Daniel Helsel. Now, he had a really memorable birth. Okay, He's a 42-year-old man, and his mother told him a story about how when um, he was born, they called an ambulance. He, she, the mom went into labor, called an ambulance, but apparently they didn't call the ambulance uh, fast enough because as they were being transported to the hospital, the mother, uh, Daniel's mother, delivered him— a medic helped uh, in the back of the ambulance. Crazy birth story, right? And so he grew up knowing this story. And um, Helsel then uh, has worked as a Prince George's County Fire Department officer for 17 years. So, you know, knowing you were born in an ambulance, maybe motivated you to go become a firefighter. Well, long story short, on his birthday, I guess his 42nd birthday, he happens to get a call that brought him to an apartment of a woman who was in labor, and he was there to give assistance. So he starts helping the woman, taking her to the hospital in his ambulance, and uh, lo and behold, guess what? Delivers a baby on his birthday in an ambulance on the way to the hospital. How cool is that? Mark Brady, a spokesman for the fire department, said at least 24 babies are born in the county ambulances every year, but it was deja vu for Daniel Daniel Helsel. Because uh, it just happened to be a remarkable coincidence, right, that uh, he not only was born in one, but he now gets to deliver a baby. How cool is that? By the way, one of those really good jobs that uh, you don't even have to have a bachelor's degree. You could go get a certificate, a technical, like be an emergency medical technician or a paramedic would be a little, uh, a lot more training, actually, Um again are are you grateful for these people that are there day in and day out? Are you grateful for the people that are making your life easier you don 't always have to um, you don 't always have to get the college degree. It may not be who you are. it may not be what your mission and gift to this world is but with Daniel Helsel, if we hadn 't had his skills, you know who would have been delivering that baby anyway Cool story, and again, tons of hope I think for all of us folks. Uh, weird dinks we call them in our family, coincidences that uh, make life interesting. We'll continue the journey. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're doing what we can on the program to give you a leg up in life. Stick with us. You're listening to BYU Radio.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
2: Your guide on the side. Follow
0: Dr. Matt on Twitter.
2: At Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at
0: 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
2: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend.
2: Now
3: on BYU Radio.
2: BYU Radio.
3: Happy Wednesday to you. Top of the morning, Dr. Matt here, along with Jeff and Terry. We're gathered, folks, to give you the latest, the greatest, a leg up in life. And today, we are going to be taking on sexual assault and harassment. Really? Yes. We're going to solve the
5: problem we're today. Gonna,
3: we, we're going to talk about it in oh. depth. We're gonna, okay. Yeah, I don't think we'll solve it today.
5: We're taking it on, but not like all the way to solving the yeah. social crisis. No. Okay. You don't even right. You can't solve it all on one show. I just wanted in to set expectations hour. where they were
3: going to be. Mm-hmm, but you can solve it for yourself. Yeah. We've already talked to HR. Yeah. Took care of that. Uh, And we're going to be talking with an expert about how we talk about sexual harassment. Even just calling it sexual abuse Mm -hmm. might be diminishing it.
4: Really?
5: Yeah. Abuse is lesser
4: than
3: harassment? Uh, In a way.
5: I would think it's the other way around. You would think, huh? Yeah. Do Do you know what the tip from HR was? What? Knock it off yeah,
3: that's, yeah. Mm. that'll always be the tip, uh, yeah. and always, by the way, should be the tip. In fact, did you see um, who, uh, who's out fighting for Roy Moore now, Steve Bannon? Yeah, and his, really? And the person he's taking on for some odd reason, do you remember we talked about the whatabouts? Mm-hmm. So the whatabouts are when you know something's going on and, and, you know in your backyard, and instead of you addressing what's going on in your backyard, you say, well, what about Jerry's backyard?" And then you totally distract – or you ch- totally change the subject. Well, mm-hmm. Bannon uh, is now doing that. Bannon, Bannon by the way, who uh, got – somebody elected. Who, who was it? Who I, could it be? Oh, Trump. Yes. Oh. He's now taking on um, Mitt Romney about Roy Moore because Mitt Romney came out and said, you really shouldn't give up your values and your morals for somebody like Roy Moore Um and now Bannon is basically saying Mitt Romney didn't even go to
5: Vietnam. You want the quotes? Yeah. Here, so, read it. Bannon said uh, Roy Moore has more honor and integrity in his pinky finger than your, Mitt Romney's, entire family has in its whole DNA. Yeah. Because? He says you hid behind your religion. You went to France to be a missionary where, while guys were dying in Vietnam. Right. And then he wow. goes on because uh, Romney, he said a no vote, uh, no vote, no majority is worth losing our honor and integrity. That's what right. that's what yeah. Romney said about no Moore. vote or no majority in the Senate is worth losing your honor and your integrity. Bannon went on to note that uh, Moore graduated from West Point and served to Vietnam.
3: Yeah, served in Vietnam, and then came home, and because he had done all of that uh, and got a law degree, there were no females his age, no eligible women his age. So he then needed
4: to date teenage girls. He went younger. Do you think Bannon's quote against Mitt Romney is going to go over too well, or do you think it's going to be it's going to be the same as uh, what somebody said about uh,
3: his wife
4: that she would never worked a day in her life? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: Well, the bigger thing is. He's beating up Mitt Romney and his sons for never serving, even though Donald Trump
5: he had multiple deferments because of bone spurs.
3: Yeah, yeah, those those bone spurs, and none of his kids have served in the military, and yet Bannon faithfully defended his right. uh, his draft right. dodgery. It's more likely that
4: Trump just went to a couple of Spurs games. Probably, yeah. So no,
5: that was yesterday.
3: That, that was that again. And this no. gets back to the argument of uh, and, and then one of Roy Moore's staff members was seriously. Uh, what's the word? Um, destroying. And dis- and disparaging the reputation of the women that have come out against Roy Moore. Mm-hmm. And so how we handle this is a really big deal. Uh, We have women coming forward now with
5: past assault claims, sexual assault, sexual harassment claims. Don't forget Mitch McConnell came out and said he believes what the women say and that Roy Moore shouldn't be the candidate. Now he's supporting that even though he said he believed what the women said. Right. So, I mean, if you believe the the, the accusations, what he's been accused of, and you support him, what is that saying for – right well, the whole system <laughs> and the white house too and th-
3: so they're getting a lot of really tough questions in the in the white house press uh, room and one of the questions is so do, do you not have does the president not have a moral issue with with basically um supporting Roy Moore who has been alleged to have committed child uh, uh child um assault on children do, do you not have a moral issue with that And the spokesperson um, said, well, we're going to leave that up to the decision of the people
5: of Alabama. Which is the main talking point, it sounds like. We're we're just going to let the people
3: of Alabama decide, except here's the problem. The president president does get to decide if he backs openly Roy Moore, and he's chosen to, period. Regardless of what the people of Alabama say, the president has backed Roy Moore. So, by the way— has the GOP uh, national committee, GOP committee? Which They're is now by backing Roy Moore, Mitt Romney's niece. She's the head of the committee. Yeah, which- so a lot of people are backing Roy Moore, and they they all and we know why, right? They need votes. They got to get this guy through. But does it is it how's it going to impact? And I think when half of the population, or actually probably more, are female, there's going to be a backlash. I think eventually there's going to be a backlash. Hmm. I think 2018 is going to be a very interesting year because how much of this can you take and how much of this can you allow? And at what point is harming children going – even if it's 30 years later and even if you did serve in Vietnam, at what point do you just say we're not doing that anymore? Hollywood saying it to some point. Uh, News agencies are saying it. We're not going to allow abusers. But for some reason, our politicians don't. <clears throat> Machiavelli. <laughs> it's happening. The ends justify the means. So uh, we'll be covering that today as well and and interesting interview. Also, um, uh, the backlash again on the move of, to the embassy to Jerusalem. Right. Now it's really heating up because now the whole entire peace process, which Jared Kushner uh, President's son-in-law was was pushing and was going to go in there. Remember, because he's he's a business developer, a real estate developer, and a Jewish man of Jewish faith. Decided, you know, he was going to go in and, and create a peace plan that no one else had ever been able to do. But now it's up in jeopardy because of. Uh, a movement of the embassy to to Jerusalem, or at least a statement of that. So we'll get to all of that. But first to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what else should we be paying attention to?
5: Intense winds are fueling powerful wildfires in Southern California, forcing nearly 30,000 people to evacuate their homes, uh, burning in and around 50,000 acres so far. California Governor Jerry Brown declared a state of emergency in Ventura County. More than 1,000 firefighters and others are trying to contain the blaze. This fire is very dangerous and spreading rapidly, but we'll continue to attack it with all we've got, Brown said. Mm. According to the LA Times, at least 150 structures have been destroyed. I know they're having problems getting some of their air support, aircraft in the air, because of the high winds. Uh, Is this all because of just
3: years of drought? Is that what's happened here? So we've just created a big And then the Santa Ana winds, and
5: yeah. Man, that's sad. So trying to fight it, it's difficult as the winds continue. Right. Uh, senator, uh, Republican Senator Jeff Flake on Tuesday posted an image of a $100 check he made out to Roy Moore's Democratic rival in Alabama.
3: Oh, what uh, a flake.
5: Country over party, the retiring Arizona senator, wrote as a caption to the image showing his donation to Doug Jones' campaign... Flake has been outspoken in his displeasure with the Trump administration and that disapproval has similarly extended to Moore's Senate campaign, especially in light of the sexual misconduct allegations against the ex-judge. It's going to be difficult enough for Republicans without being the party of Roy Moore, Flake told reporters after Trump publicly endorsed the embattled candidate. Last month, the Republican senator said, I would literally, if I were in Alabama, I would run a polling place to vote for the Democrat. Wow, he's really, really against Roy Moore.
4: Yet he only shelled out a hundred dollars.
5: That is
3: amazing. A sitting GOP senator yeah. shelling out a hundred bucks for
5: the Democratic candidate. In the memo line, it says "country over country over <laughs> party party." Yeah. yeah, yeah, country over party. Put that in the memo line of the check.
3: But uh, I mean, it's true. I mean, at some point, when does the country? Trump, party. Don't we'll use see. that
4: word sorry. in that sentence. I didn't know what other word to use.
5: <laughs> and finally, uh, Amazon. Uh, well, Matt, you're you're getting into the foray into voice assistants yes. in your home. Uh-huh. You're getting into this. Uh, I don't, don't know. Somebody eavesdropping. Now. I'm not not really sure. About it. Like I I don't really use the voice assistant on my phone. Why? Because it, it doesn't work. It doesn't like your voice. I go, hey, set a thirty minute timer. What? I will set a 30-minute bomb. So you have to shut it down, what? and then sometimes I get... say 30-minute timer, and it calls somebody. Oh, don't you? The, what are you doing? Call Lois. Calling Lewis. No, 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 no. no. Call Lois. Calling Ruin. All so, day long, I'm doing that. Amazon's foray into video and advertising are a tiny part of its media push. Amazon dominates the voice assistant market. Uh, which is skyrocketing amongst millennials, the Amazon Echo, 70%. So this is all the uh, the people out there who have these devices. It says Amazon Echo is 70% of the market. The Google Home is 23% of the market, and then wow. everybody else is 66 percent of the market. now. Granted, Everybody else on earth. Apple hasn't kicked out their device, which yeah. uh, it's about, a. I think it's about $350 to $400, yeah, which you is way take more expensive than the other ones. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. But voice adoption is exploding. Amazon and light years ahead of everyone else in this category. This year, Month monthly voice enabled devices usage is up 189% year over year. So it's just the adoption is huge at this point. The future of search uh, of search is voice, image, and video. So this could be the first big step in potentially putting a dent into Google's search dominance by mm. Amazon. Yeah, Google is expected to take roughly seventy eight percent of search advertising, and it owns a majority of desktop and mobile search traffic. So of all advertising, seventy eight percent goes to one company, Googly, because people still you know they Google. Ah. David Poltrack, chief research officer, at CBS News. We're I I, I, yeah. shared, I told you about this yesterday after the show to stress how important TV advertising still is. Poltrack pointed to a digital powerhouse as of Facebook, Amazon, Google, Apple, and Netflix. Even with their sophisticated data resources, the uh, and attribution models, they're still putting their marketing money in network TV. He said those five companies collectively will spend over a billion dollars in TV advertising in 2017. Yeah. A 23% increase from last year. But Right. So they're all focused on digital. They want to, on every web page, they want right. to make sure you see all these ads, but they're putting a billion dollars into television. But, well, but maybe, uh, it, by the way, that... Hmm. He says the hottest brand competition right now is between Amazon's Alexa and Google Home. Yeah. But
3: the reality is, it seems like, is, you know, have you ever made fresh squeezed orange juice? Uh, no,
5: I usually just go buy it if I want. It.
3: Well, back in the day, yeah, we used to cut an orange in half, and then you would squeeze the orange, mm. and a little jazz music inside nice. while we <laughs> are good. squeezing some oranges. <laughs> and but so what TV doesn't know mm. is that it's a half squozen, Is that the word? Sure, squeeze.
5: It, it'll work for this. this.
3: Sounds weird. Yeah, a half squeezed um, orange mm. that it thinks is on top of the world. But really, Google's just trying to get the rest of the juice out of that little slice, and then it will be disposed of. Yeah. And then Google will officially own the world. But meanwhile, they need TV, like the Super Bowl, like you were talking about. Not even that. Just random game. Just, but what they need then is then then Google goes on, and, and in their commercial, they'll say, Hey, Alexa! Or whatever. Well, Google well, says... Well, Amazon will say, Hey, Alexa. Yeah. And... Then Alexa actually turns on in your house, and then they somehow own you for a life. <laughs> they've turned on the dark inner ghost of technology in your house, mm. and they've done it through a commercial. I'm telling you. This is how they're taking over the world. And I, I, I'm not going to say anything because people may be listening, but I, Santa may be bringing oh, wow. one of these devices to my home. Interesting. And so we've made a pact as a family that we won't talk ill about anybody publicly because Alexa may be listening. Or our machine, what's it called?
5: Yeah, Alexa. Well, Alexa is the trigger word. Yeah. So as we say this, if anyone's anyone's listening to this near one of those devices, it's firing off Every time I say
3: Alexa, it fires
4: off. And they're
5: probably not happy with you right now. Alexa,
3: listen to the Matt Townsend show.
4: (laughs) There you go. That's actually how I turned on this music. Really.
5: Alexa. Actually I played told some them, jazz.
3: Told Alexa to set a
4: thirty minute alarm and this is what I got.
5: With this kind of influence that you're talking about from these companies, yeah. right? These big technology companies. And then you look at, you know, like Facebook, they have a lot of this influence as they're a place where people go for information, right? So right. they have your eyeballs, they can put stuff put advertising in front of you, their effect. Uh, they're in, You know, they're part of that whole 2016 election story. Right. So it's like, do they understand their influence? And then yesterday or the day before they announced a Facebook Messenger product for children. Hmm? Specifically, yeah, let's think about six-year-olds. How do we get six-year-olds to use a texting app so they can message their friends and their hey, parents? Hey, hey, and hey, so hey. they made it fun. Stay away from my six-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from my
3: six-year-old. Well, they used to have that penguin... App mm-hmm. that you could go play in a community with other penguins. Right. Do you remember that? I did. Yeah. Stay away from my six-year-old. Yeah, that's kind of the, the thought people are like, really? That's creepy. Six-year-olds? What that's you- like mall walking. <laughs> that's what that reminds me of. That's scary. Some of you that may not know about our Walmart w- mall walking idea. Apparently, the infamous 5K. Hmm. And the the big movement of mall walkers around the world started in an Arkansas mall. Arkansas? Or uh sorry. Alabama. <laughs> Alabama. I'm having yeah. re- here's the deal. Okay. There's a Started reason in an this. Alabama mall about thirty five years ago. Yeah. Um I was up three times last night.
5: Okay. Because
3: we have our grandbaby living with us for a couple days.
5: Oh. Okay, wow. So new house,
3: new house, different environment. Yeah, she cries. Mm-hmm. And the minute the ocean sound machine turns off, mm. she somehow wakes up. So how, got, old is, how old is she? She's sixteen. The, your granddaughter's sixteen. Yeah, no,
4: she's two. Yeah. Has she done the crazy thing yet? Where you wake up, you
3: roll over, and she's standing there staring at no, you. No, but I've had That's that scary. That is scary, especially like when they're like Red Rum. Red rum. That bugs me. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know what it means. Well, have him say it in the mirror. <laughs> um, so I didn't get i didn't get as much sleep last night. Hmm. But, hey, no excuse. It's just my brain's not, it just can't work today. It's just not working. Hey, uh, guess who's, um, you remember how Donald Trump was pretty sure that he was going to be the Time Man of the Year?
5: I believe he, he put out the story that Time Magazine had called him. Yeah, and said something about hey, we want you to be on the cover. And he said, no, 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 not yeah. doing that. You're fake news.
3: Yeah, we, we just need we just need you to come to a really big uh, event, like an interview, and have a lot of photo and shoots then and stuff.
5: Time responded with nobody called you. Dude. He
3: he passed on it. Yeah, he passed. He, on he it. makes
5: his own covers. Yeah. We know this. He made some fake covers, put them around yeah. Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. So it's no big apparently deal. apparently
3: not. He's not he's not the Time
5: Person of the Year. Not no. not not it not the person. No, nor is Roy Moore. Okay. Nope. He looks good in that cowboy hat with the little gun. Have you seen that little gun the yeah, actually yeah. carry? Yeah. 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 And
3: nor is uh, Steve Bannon. Mm. Uh, it's actually the Silence Breakers, the women that have all come out in 2017 to uh, about sexual harassment claims. They are the people of the year. Men too. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's it's I think it's awesome, and that's why we're talking about it on the show. We got to understand this. Mm can't keep pushing it under the rug. Remember, actors like Kevin Spacey, journalist Charlie Rose, comedian Louis C.K., Al Franken from the Senate, they've all, Matt Lauer. Last week. I mean, that was just, that's just the last few months. It's it's amazing. But um, on the cover are people like Taylor Swift, former Uber engineer Susan Fowler, Ashley Judd. They're all on the cover. We're taking it on. And we will be talking in depth about it with our next guest. Sarah L. Cook will be joining us and uh, discussing an article she wrote in the conversation um, that uh, is titled The Way We Tell the Story of Hollywood Sexual Assault and Harassment Matters. Uh, We're going to do what we can to better understand how to talk about it and how to understand it without um, maligning the character of people that are coming forward in such things. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. #MeToo movement has brought major attention to the plight of women and all those who deal with sexual harassment and sexual assault. It has challenged how the world sees sexual harassment in our communities and the news industry. In Hollywood and as well in our political world, here to speak more about this is uh, Sarah Cook, who has confronted the problem of sexual violence as an emergency room rape companion, a social worker, an advocate for initial passage of the VAWA, a teacher, a researcher, and also a professor of psychology at Georgia State University. Sarah L. Cook, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I am I'm I'm honored to have you helping us understand this issue because We have had story after story after story, and I feel like um, we don't do these stories justice by how we talk about them. Uh, Sometimes I even don't. I don't know what to call it. I don't know if you call it sexual assault, sexual harassment, sexual abuse. And so I need your insight. How should we be having the conversation um, in a way that we can make it so, so this doesn't come up again, that this isn't the same old story again and again?
0: That's a really good question, and one that I've thought an awful lot about. Um, the news coverage has been, I think, fairly decent, but as you suggest, the terminology is really hard. Yeah. And I think if we start with looking at um, sexual abuse, that usually refers to sexual mistreatment of, of children, uh, and states generally um, have laws that say children cannot consent to sexual activity. And the age of consent ranges um, from 16 to 18, Hmm. depending on the state. So, you know, what Roy Moore has been accused of is um, it could be child abuse, could be sexual abuse, um, it could be something more, it could be sexual assault. Um, So
3: abuse is generally then uh, related to, to children, but adults, we would call it something else.
0: Well, generally. Yeah. Generally. Uh we still use the word abuse in de- in describing domestic violence situations, mm. but let's let's for sake of simplicity or some clarity around this issue, let's put that aside. Yeah. Um so uh we've seen harassment uh as as a term In most of these situations. And that's because the behavior is occurring in a work setting, in an employment setting, and generally where someone, the harasser or the alleged perpetrator, has a degree of power and control over the alleged victim's career, job opportunities, uh, even current employment. But many of the actions that have Been taken are actually tantamount to criminal sexual assault. So in a sense, I mean, it's harassment because of where it is. Right. But some of the behaviors definitely are um, considered criminal behaviors as well. Mm. And so some could fall into the criminal court setting and some fall into the civil court setting.
3: And I I notice that that's actually that makes a lot of sense. And and sometimes too, um, it may it may be harassment because it happened at work, and you maybe went through your HR people. Um, but also sometimes you, I, I've noticed that some of these um, victims are also they they don't know what to think of it. They're so shocked. They're so blown away. They may go tell a family member, but they may not report it officially because of shame, embarrassment, fear of loss of opportunity and job. Um, so so then it comes out later, but it doesn't make it any less true. And yet then they get, they're, they're beat up in the media.
0: That's true. And I would add to your list of reasons why women may not tell someone is because they may not understand what has happened. Hmm. That. Uh, public perception or public understanding of the terms harassment and rape and sexual assault um, is, is is minimal. And we are guided often by stereotypical notions of what rape and sexual harassment are. And so sometimes um, a behavior, uh, for example, Katie Couric saying, Uh, When she replied to someone who said, what's the worst? What was the worst thing about working with Matt Lauer? She said, well, he pinched my behind a lot. Mm. And um, the uh, gentleman who was interviewing her thought that was a riot. And she kind of laughed with him. But with this look on her face like that really wasn't funny.
1: That's not funny.
0: you might say to yourself, um, Katie Couric or Sarah Cook, well, is that really serious enough to rise to the level of sexual harassment? Um, And the Supreme Court has, in cases, basically put forth, and the Equal Opportunity Employment Commission has put forth um, guidelines uh, suggesting that the the harassment or the behavior has to be per- pervasive and extreme and interfere with your ability um, to complete your work duties.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, and, and also,
1: um,
0: I would add that a lot of the behavior that falls under the topic of sexual harassment may not be sexual in nature, but it may be comments. It may be um, pictures, inappropriate pictures in the workplace. Mm. It may be derogatory statements about um, about women or about um, how a woman doesn't fit a stereotypical notion of what a woman should act like or look like. So while what's in the press is getting a lot of attention and it's of a sexual nature – there is a large category of behaviors that fall under the topic of sexual or the the term sexual harassment that don't have anything to do with sexual contact or even sexual behavior.
3: It seems like we are we're under um a major state of of education. <laughs> like because just right there you you bring up a lot of incredible points that um much of what we're talking about is are the more titillating examples, the more, you know, interesting, um, but the ones that maybe have more sexual overtones. But there are many ways to harass, um, right? Yeah. And that's – you're describing some of those, I think, in an incredible uh, um, way. And yet more and more stories are coming out and we it's almost like we don't know how to talk about it without some thinking that – You know, women are overreacting or people are overreacting, others thinking that this is a plague. We've got to fix this. And yet give us the numbers. How how much of this is going on? What what really how how much harassment exists out there?
0: Harassment is a tough one to estimate. We don't have any large scale national studies of sexual harassment. But you can put together some studies, and some are large, uh, and see that uh, about two-thirds of women in the workplace report having experienced some form of harassment. Mm. Uh, Until last year, I was, and this is going to sound crazy because of the work I do, but I was really under the impression that the Academy had really address the problem of graduate student and faculty sexual harassment. Yet, um, by virtue of a campus climate survey, uh, Professor Jennifer Fried out at the University of Oregon found that 60% of female graduate students reported sexual harassment by faculty members.
3: 60%?
0: Wow. 60%. Now, I mean, that tells us, this is a pervasive, yeah. longstanding problem in our society. And while we're in a moment, I think I, I agree with you completely, we're in a moment of education and sorting out where these terms overlap, where they don't overlap, whether it matters whether they overlap
1: mm-hmm, or not. Right, right.
0: Um, that the moment, I hope that it lasts long enough to do education, but education is not the same as prevention.
3: Mm. Talk about that.
0: Well, we can educate people about what behaviors constitute sexual harassment. And sometimes that's frustrating because the response is, oh, you can't say anything right. anymore. Or, oh, you can't do anything anymore. Well, you know, <laughs> we <laughs> learn a rule in kindergarten, which is keep your hands to yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it
0: seems like that might apply in the workplace. So true. Uh, it, it is not um, learning about uh, what you can and can't do but in the workplace is, is, it's not going to chill the workplace. If anything, it may make it a more inclusive and welcoming environment because people will feel safe. And uh, it's about respecting diverse views of, you know, people's personal space, boundary issues, uh, creating a climate where someone can say, please don't do that. No, please stop. Making sure an HR company uh, takes complaints seriously so that's all education but these behaviors are rooted in the way we socialize our children and uh, psychology talks about socializing agents well those agents may be parents they are the media their toys they're the education system they are you know everything that tells kids how they should behave and how they should act toward anyone And the specific kind of socialization we're really talking about here is sexual socialization, how we interact with members of the opposite sex. Now, I'm not suggesting at all that this is just a heterosexual problem. Right. Um, This crosses all sorts of boundaries. Um, But I believe, and many people have the same belief, that we have to start addressing gender roles and sexual socialization at a very early age. I'm talking about pre-kindergarten. And we have to have fundamental change in terms of how we view men and women's bodies. We have to have change in industries that portray women as sexual objects. Uh, We have to have a change in how we uh, socialize young boys to be masculine. There are so many positive qualities of masculinity. Um, there are some that aren't so positive. Right. And we should really emphasize those that are uh, the positive ones and um, de-emphasize those that are negative. And we also, I mean, we're stuck in this binary of talking about femininity and masculinity because our imaginations are so limited. <laughs> but in reality... You know, men and women can embrace the same kinds of gender roles. And by roles, I mean behavior that you do that tells yourself and other people how you identify yourself.
3: Hmm. I mean, that's it, because that also that that gets to then changing the socialization changes, uh, future, it becomes future prevention. It becomes a new standard. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: exactly. And, you know, if we can think broadly enough about this, this isn't a a separate problem from bullying on the playground. It's not a separate problem, really, from domestic violence. And if you read today's New York Times, the story about the complicity machine that uh, kept Harvey Weinstein from – well, kept him going, kept this pattern of horrendous um, assault going – uh, I see a lot of parallels with trafficking, mm. sexual slave trafficking. You know, that takes a whole system to keep going.
3: And like a, and a and governing paradigm of how we view humans.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and who's on top. Yeah. And some people will also say that a part of prevention is fundamental equality between men and women. And we still don't have that.
3: Still working on that, aren't we? And and you can see exactly. it. I mean, in a way, uh, again, we're speaking with Sarah L. Cook, uh, Doctor Sarah L. Cook, who's a PhD and a professor of psychology at Georgia State University. She's talking to us about how we how we talk about sexual assault and harassment, and how it matters as part of the socialization process. You you brought up in your article the fact that. We use terms that, that diminish it by by like terming it Weinsteining, Weinsteining or um the Weinstein effect. And uh just just by terming it or calling it that, all of a sudden we've we've made it more of a mockery than something that's that's as serious as it is.
0: Exactly. And that's why I'm so glad this Me Too movement has just been named Person of the Year. Yeah, how wonderful. it puts the focus back on, um, back on the victim. I, I, it's not that I don't want there to be focus on the perpetrator, but uh, you're you're right. I what I wrote is that these kind of terms demean what has really happened to women, and we have to use the word. Frankly, um, when Bar- President Barack Obama. Announced the White House Task Force for Keeping Students Safe from Sexual Assault on College
6: Campuses.
1: Mm.
0: And he used the word rape. I, my jaw dropped. I thought, I can't believe I heard a president of the United States utter the word rape in public. Yeah. That's a hard word to talk about in public. It's been much easier to talk about domestic violence than it has been to talk about sexual assault and rape because our sexual scripts the way we uh, believe that men and women behave in sexual uh encounters really blurs the line really sets up um instances where it's so easy to see where the line can be crossed and someone can feel coerced and someone else may think I didn't coerce that's what i'm supposed to do you know i'm supposed to keep trying yeah uh and um uh so be, because we don't want to talk about it we come up with these other terms that make it easier to talk about uh and so we can avoid the word rape and sexual assault you know I, i've had the experience of saying to someone um you know Weinstein I think, locked the doors and women described, I'm not sure who, but women described trying to escape through a bathroom window. Uh, there's mm. uh, the story that Lauer um, had a, a button he could press to lock the yeah. door. Well, yeah. I think that sounds like kidnapping.
3: No, exactly. That's what I was and yeah, and, and yeah, you're and and holding somebody against their will. I mean, right. Th- these are I, I guess that's the thing is that we haven't It, it it's kind of just been naughty, naughty locker room air quote talk. Um, right. But instead, it's I mean, these are these are crimes. These are felonies. Exactly. Is is And and I guess by having the Me Too movement, um, do we we have more and more stories out there? Do, do you sense that they're going to turn into criminal acts or is there just not enough evidence? And I mean, is is legally is it set against the victim where it's harder for them to prove a case? Especially, well, I guess, so many years after the fact.
0: Right. In many of these situations, I'm sure the statute of limitations has expired. But in other cases, it may not have. And um, it is very difficult to successfully prosecute rape and sexual assault uh, because of the the stereotypical views that people hold. Um, you know, one thing that's interesting is that in on campuses often there is alcohol involved, and that makes things very difficult. Memories are compromised, and people quite aren't quite sure how to assign responsibility when there is alcohol involved. But here we have cases in the workplace where presumably people are not drinking alcohol. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, <laughs> and yeah.
0: So you know we don't have that problem uh, to deal with. Um, But uh, it will be difficult uh, to try these cases. Um, Just as we saw with uh, the women in in Cosby's case, their character will be judged. Their behavior will be judged. People will ask questions. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? I'll share with you uh, that I have been a victim uh, of a near-fatal sexual assault. Mm. I was in my own home. And uh, people asked me, "Well, weren't your doors locked?" No boy. And so I often say to people, "If you're going to ask someone who was just in (laughs) her own home, weren't your doors locked?" Then why are we surprised when people say to uh, the women who may have met Weinstein at a a hotel room, "Well, why would you go to a hotel room? What were you wearing? Go meet him someplace where there's a bed, you know." Um, so they are, they they will be questioned ad nauseum, and many probably are satisfied that this is out in the open, and they may not need to pursue criminal charges or civil charges, and others may decide. And it'll be different, you know, depending on every civil or criminal. Um, I know more about criminal law and less about the um, statutes or what the limitations are in civil cases, but... Uh, it it will be difficult, but it sounds like police in several jurisdictions are looking very uh, um, astutely, I would say, yeah. into Weinstein's behavior. I don't know about many of the others. You know, it's frankly, it's hard to keep up.
3: Is um, we've only got a couple more minutes. What can we do? I, the, the, it seems like the Me Too movement has created kind of this this uh, this wonderful, I think, wave of of strength and, um, and giving courage to people and a voice to, to feel strong enough to do it um, and to bring out th- these accusations. Do you, is there a way we can make it easier for women to make uh, their, their claim earlier or their case or feel safer if something has happened? What can we do in our own world, in our own offices, in our own families to make sure we are making it – we're helping to protect?
0: Well, I think in the next six to twelve months, the most important thing is to watch against backlash and, uh, against this movement, uh, and there will be backlash. And I think that's one critical thing. And, and to fight against that backlash, um, and what I mean by that is people saying this is exactly what you said before. Oh, this is um, this is overrated. These things aren't really bad things that happen to women et cetera. Et cetera. Yeah. So I think we need to guard against that. And then second, I think we, you know, there's a, there are a lot of um new ideas about how to prevent uh sexual assault in colleges and they're being studied and evaluated. Um we, we have all these trainings and sexual harassment trainings by human resource departments, but we really don't know if any of those work. So we really need um uh to, we can't depend on those things and we need to start within our families and talking about basic respect for people um i have two boys matt and yeah. uh you know they wrestle and very early on i said now kids you know you can wrestle and but as soon as one of you says don't or stop or i don't want to do this anymore it's over we're done it, we're done, right. And that is one small way, and, and they do that. I hear them say, hey, I said stop, and mom said,
1: when
0: oh. said stop, yeah. they got to stop. And I thought, oh, there's one small victory. But it's even more than that. But that's at least teaching them to listen to another human being and.
1: And, and take the cue.
0: And yeah. right to what someone wants. You know, there are other w- ways we do things. You know, we ask our kids to go hug relatives or people that they may feel uncomfortable doing. That doesn't give them any sense that their body is their own. Hmm. And we need to instill that sense in, in our children that their body is their own and that they have control over it and rights to it and no one else does. Well, and then we need to instill that they don't have rights anyone else's body, uh, absolute rights to anyone else's body. And I think men in particular can confront sexist comments and jokes and remarks in the workplace and say, you know, hey, uh, that, you know, that that was really rude and made me uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. Uh, because take... it's
0: going to have to be the people in the power to confront those kinds of behaviors and comments.
3: I agree. And maybe and push those conversations. Take those stands and lead. I mean, that's really what leadership is. Sarah L. Cook, thank you so much for your great insight. Uh, wonderful work you're also doing. I so appreciate uh, just your work in emergency rooms uh, as a rape companion, social worker, advocate. Um, really helpful, I think, to all of us to better understand what part we play in this and what thoughts we have. Yeah, Go, go kiss grandpa. <laughs> kiss him. I mean, it's interesting. We, we push a lot of stuff that might be teaching, you know, and taking away some freedom, some agency, without even knowing it. Great insight. We'll continue the journey, folks, doing what we can to better understand the world we live in. This is The Matt Townsend Show.
4: What the matter with you, boy? You too stupid to do what your coach
3: tells you? Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his
2: coaching corner. Play ball.
3: Play ball. Great insight uh, from Sarah Cook. When I think about it, and again, I don't, you you don't want to be extreme in any of this. There's moderation in what we're learning. But part of what we're learning is a lot of us don't ever question how we think, right? How would you question how you think except with your thinking? (laughs) And so unless we bring on guests and talk to people and have uh, this Me Too movement, um, we're, we may not ever question some of our thinking. But you, you may yourself have been told by your mom or dad, hey, go go kiss grandma. Goodbye. Go kiss grandpa. And you're like, I don't want to. I mean, I remember even going to a funeral with my mom saying, just just touch, touch their hand. Touch their hand. And I'm thinking, no, that person's dead. Don't want to touch them. But – there's little—remember, inside of every one of us as human beings, there's there's an agent. There's this free agent, this this agency that exists inside of us. And we've got to always honor that, even in our children, and not compel them to do something that they just don't feel they want to do. Because you can. I'm not saying you can't. You can. But there's a consequence. And then all of a sudden, you you might start— having this feeling that you like uh Sarah was bringing up your body isn't your body you don't have a choice to not kiss somebody you don't have a choice to not hug somebody and that down the road could have some big repercussions you don't have a choice if you have a boyfriend and the boyfriend wants to do things you may feel like you don't have a choice because you don't because you didn't and you haven't so and it doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean we can't kiss our and hug our grandkids. It just means we've got to find a way to do it where it's their will, it's their idea, it, they're interested. I notice sometimes if I, just, if I just get down on my knees and put my arms out, my granddaughter naturally just runs to me. And then it's a choice, even a choice at two years old versus compulsory means, right, and versus having to compel somebody. It usually it just won't work if we have to keep compelling. And uh, there's something very valuable about I think about the conversations we're having, at least in getting our brains to stretch, our minds to open up. So, a little hope. I think there's hope. Don't immediately reject these ideas. Don't immediately just accept them. Just start learning and thinking about your own life. That's the goal of the show. Just stretch our heads a bit. We'll continue the journey straight ahead. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. You know, uh, Jeff has been doing some incredible research, uh, looked up a a new trailer that's out that involves President Trump.
4: Yeah. You know how he just made the announcement that he's going to be shrinking the uh, Bears Ears and Grand Staircase monuments. Monuments? So, believe it or not, there's already a movie trailer out about this, and it's kind of in the same vein of some of the, the old uh, family comedies of the 90s. Excellent. And, uh, yeah, just take a listen to this. President Trump was hard at work on his new health care reform plan. Everybody's going to be taken care of, much better than they're taken care of now. But things didn't go according to plan. I will not vote for this bill as it is today. So he turned his focus to two national monuments.
1: Bears ears and grand staircase escalante.
4: Donald, what did you do? I shrunk the monuments. What? Honey, I shrunk the monuments. Coming soon to Utah.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
2: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter.
2: At Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This
3: is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
4: BYU Radio.
3: Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here, along with Jeff and Terry. The gang's all gathered, doing what we can to to help you... uh, Shine some light on life. Life is a really difficult thing. You may have noticed. I did last night. I I thought of both of you mm. when I was up at, what time was it? Uh, one, I think, in the morning, rocking my grandbaby back to bed. Wow. I thought of you two must be doing that regularly.
5: Nope. Nope, not Get at all.
4: Z's. Wow. It's the poor wife
5: that has to deal with all that. Deal? Both of my children from- what? just weeks old, started sleeping eight hours a night. Wow.
3: Benadryl. No. The great blessings <laughs> of Benadryl.
5: Just let them Did figure they it really? out. That's a great gift. And now, like, my six-year-old has yet to get out of his bed by himself. Meaning you have to, say, get out of bed. He just sits there and waits for you. You must have really put the fear in him. <laughs> no, he just decided. I'm. I, I. You ask, and he goes. Well, I have to wait till you say. And I go. No, you don't get out of bed. And he still Holy won't do it. Holy cow! So I get on our little intercom through our baby monitor. And you say, may now get, out get out of bed. up. And he goes. Okay. And he, goes, okay. <laughs> and he comes running downstairs. So. But so do you have to do
3: that like on Saturdays? Mm-hmm. See, our kids would get up and go turn on the TV and watch
5: cartoons. Yeah, he knows how to do that, but he won't. He just waits. What a what a wonderfully obedient child. And then I wake him up with some song off YouTube played over. The intercom. Oh,
3: how neat! Yeah, it's great.
5: <laughs> your wake-up call is. Are, are your children that
3: obedient, Jeffrey?
4: They uh, have no problem getting up at all hours of the night and coming in and sleeping in our bed. Do they do that? Yeah. We usually. I mean, they, have, they don't have too much of a problem getting into bed because by the end of the day they're just totally wiped out. But I think there's this I, there's this mindset of. We're missing something. If we're not up at six in the morning, we're missing out on all the fun.
3: Child FOMO. Child FOMO. Yeah. Do your children ever come just stand and look at you and like. (sighs) It happened once. (sighs) Breathe on your face. And my wife freaked out, which then caused my daughter to freak out. Oh, that's always fun at three in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. I was having that last night and I thought to myself, ah, this is why I'm a grandparent. Because I haven't had to do this for years. I used to always get up with the kids. It was kind of my I – I have this – I don't want to brag, but I'm kind of a child whisperer. I have a, way mm. of, I have a way of just putting them back to sleep. It's beautiful. Do you turn your show on? I put my show on and they just like <laughs> – that was that was my show. It's our show, so you're here yeah. too. Mm-hmm. And so they're always like, "Dad, how come how come everybody laughs at Jeff's jokes that aren't funny, but mm-hmm. no one ever laughs at your jokes that are hilarious?" That's what my kids say all the time to me.
4: Your audience has a sophisticated palate.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. Hmm.
4: The only thing that would make it worse, other than my daughter standing there and creeping us out, she likes to go around just speaking gibberish and she's pretending like she's speaking Spanish. Now, she's 18, right? No, she's six or five. She's five. Yeah. So just imagine her standing there, waking you up with, Whoa. (laughs)
5: That
4: would be
3: freaky. She's speaking in tongues. That's, that is freaky. Aren't kids the cutest? Except at two in the morning when they're standing right next to you. And I was, it's funny because I always get a little frustrated, but this is the joy of parenting. Because I had to climb stairs to go up and get him, get her, but he's, she's in the room of my son, so my son's in there standing over her, too. Hmm. And then you, I held her. She was crying. I rocked her back to sleep, turned back on the ocean sounds, and she went to sleep. And then I've succeeded, and I put her down, and when I put her down, I have nothing but immense love. Don't, don't do that sound while we're driving. People are driving right now. <laughs> Sounds like the
5: weather stripping in the, in the room here is bad. <laughs>
3: Somebody better fix the weather we're stripping. leaking
5: atmosphere.
2: Yeah,
3: that's not good. We got, uh, we got a lot to cover today. Uh, Enid Green Mickelson will be joining us. And uh, I love having Enid on the show. She um, was a congresswoman and has an incredible story of weird, like, it, it was sexual harassment by a fellow congressperson. Congressman,
5: yeah, and we'll let her characterize it. Yeah, and
3: she, she, it's just, it's just weird, and she, and and the person she won't, she's very, she's very, you know, good about it. But there's weird stuff going on yeah. <laughs> on them their hills. Uh, so we will, um, we'll be talking to her coming up. Also, um, we'll do, of course, empty news and our prayers again. And now are going out with, to California again. Wildfire fires are burning. It's it's, a, it's just a big tinderbox. Yeah.
5: California's a burning. They go through these every few years, but, I mean, the Santa Ana wins, something sparks. This is a big one, though. This is a big one. And that's, really big.
3: That's coming from the guy. I'm going to California in March. Really? No, 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 no. In February for a little, uh, little anniversary party. Disney? Probably, yeah. Wow. Just me and the missus. It's going to be so romantic. I'm, we're going to share a turkey leg. In Disneyland.
4: <laughs> Which, oddly, tastes more like ham than turkey.
5: Does it? Yeah. Interesting. That you, is odd. You can get a Dole Whip <gasps> and a turkey leg.
4: Yeah, you're it's the an, one that brings up
5: the Dole Whip It's all an the entire time. meal, yeah.
4: My wife would be a huge advocate for you getting the corn dog. She said she doesn't really like corn dogs, but this is the best corn dog
3: you'll find really? anywhere. I, I actually like corn dogs because, why, Terry? They're on a stick. Oh. And we always do the Iowa Fair, and at the Iowa Fair, everything, everything's on a stick. They try. You can get anything you want and every, at the Iowa
5: Fair on a stick. Every politician rolls in there, is counseled by all of their staff, do not get anything on a stick. It makes for horrible <laughs> photos, <laughs> and they all do it. And then they're
3: shoving. <laughs> yeah, it never looks good. No. Or get a sourdough bread bowl with mm. clam chowder or stew in it. I'm only going to be there one day. Eat it all. But I'm thinking I'm just going to try—we're going to do everything at the park. 10,000 calories. Go. I'm we gonna, haven't even I'm gotten w- to the... gonna, That's four Trump meals. Four Trump meals. Churros. Oh, churros. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good already.
5: And I'll dip it in a Dole Whip. There you go. Mm. Talk about sugar bomb. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you only live once, man. I can hardly wait. And that day, you may just live
3: that once. Maybe I'll be there two days. I really want to do the show from there. So Great. I'm wondering, can you figure out if I can do the show by myself there? No, I think you'd have to
4: take us with you. And that we'd of course have to take our families. Yeah. So, okay, so and then none then of get that's to work happen. get to work on this. It'd be a
5: business expense because of the work we would be doing. Right. But
3: right. I'm just wondering if there's a way that I could call in and do the show. From
5: there... It would require you taking uh, electronic equipment... Yeah, I'll do it. ...to California... I'll do it. ...figuring out how to plug it in without calling me, like, minutes before we're supposed to go on the air and go, It's not working! Well, yeah, we could practice. Yeah. Take me. Don't invite
4: Shikshamway, Shumway, who's liable yeah, to no, I can't do the report on a roller coaster where you can't
3: hear anything. Yeah, Shik, Shik's not my friend, I don't think. We never seem to get anything together with Shick. Schick's one of our great reporters, supposedly, but he's never actually done a great report. So, wow. I mean, I mean that in the best way but possible. But he keeps trying. Yeah, that's the neat thing. The guy tries. Never gives up. Super, super willing to keep trying. Uh, we'll, we'll get to all of this, folks. Um, let's get to the headlines, Terry. What else should we be paying attention to
5: out there in newsland? One day after President Trump officially endorsed the accused uh, child harassment king i guess you could call him unless you're roy moore in alabama's u.s senate race the uh democratic nominee absolutely tore into the ex-judge after months of remaining relatively even-handed in contrast to moore's bizarre antics including toting a rifle on stage doug jones told a crowd tuesday afternoon when you see me with a gun i'll be climbing in and out of a deer blind not prancing around on stage in a cowboy suit He emphasized that Moore, who was twice removed from office as an Alabama State Supreme Court justice, has never, ever served our state with honor. Everything he's done, he's ended up ending with dishonor. And Jones concluded by going straight for the jugular on the bevy of... Accusations that Moore engaged in sexual misconduct with underage girls when he was in his 30s was men who hurt little girls should go to jail, not to the United States Senate. Mm. Wow. That line was also an apparent reference to the fact that Jones prosecuted two Ku Klux Klan members who killed four young black girls in a 1963 church bombing. But he's not tough on crime. Uh. That's the line you're getting, right? Yeah. So this is this Alabama Senate race. December 12th will be the... Teeding up, isn't it? And it just kind of gets crazier and crazier every day. Oh, boy. This is... When is this over?
3: 12th. (laughs) Hold on. I guess it's not over there. Just the beginning of the end is over then.
5: Well, depending on who wins. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, five Native American tribes filed a lawsuit Monday after President Trump announced his plans to significantly shrink the Bears Ears National Monument. The Hopi, Zuni, Ute, Mountain Ute, and Navajo Nations, also the Ute Indian tribes, originally pushed for the monument design or designation, and now representatives are arguing that Trump does not have the authority to shrink the site. They declared war on us uh, today, said Shawnee Chapozi, member of the Ute Indian Tribe Business Committee. If they think we're not prepared to protect it, they're kidding themselves. Environmental and conservative organizations, including the Wilderness Society, the Natural Resource Defense Council, and the Sierra Club are also suing tribes Trump and Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke for Zinke. shrinking Utah's Grand Staircase-Escalante National Monument. Wow, so the tribes are against it. Mm. Uh,
3: a lot of the, the people are for it. Uh, uh, the big companies that are the outdoor kind of companies, Patagonia, those companies are going to fight it in other
5: ways. Right.
3: Seems like uh, just... Same old battle and many, over many, Western many lands. Many
5: opinions feel like the Antiquities Act, which is what presidents use to designate yeah. national monuments, there is no part of that that talks about shrinking or eliminating previous yeah. national monuments, right, just right. declaring national monuments. So there, there is some legal question as to whether a president can actually do this. But President Trump is saying that President
3: Obama, President Clinton, they overreached. overreached mm-hmm. Because the Antiquities Act is to take the least amount of property needed... To create such a monument and they took massive amounts so we'll see mm. Okay, this will continue in the courts for you know probably the next five years or unless until the next president comes in and then by executive order does the exact same thing president trump has done
5: Hmm. okay just checking there's a pattern doctors say the victims of the attacks on u.s diplomatic personnel in cuba are showing unprecedented physical changes to their brains this is a Report out of the Associated Press oh, no. the new findings cast further doubt on their theories uh, that whether that whatever was used to harm the Americans was a sonic device. Medical tests reportedly indicate the Americans significantly had changes to their white matter tracks that enable parts of the brain to communicate. Acoustic waves have never before been shown to alter a brain 's white matter tracks as Columbia University biomedical engineer Eliza uh, Kafugu who is not involved in the investigation. Yeah, I know. The AP said doctors are treating the case as a never-before-seen abnormalities. The patients developing hearing, vision balance, and memory damage while on assignment in Havana have reported hearing strange high-pitched sounds for months. It is still unclear how the white matter change uh, relates to other neurological symptoms experienced by the diplomats. The Cuban government has denied any involvement in the attack. So they're not getting better, but we don't understand that because our devices... They would get better after. It would be temporary, and it wouldn't affect, or saying, the white matter if it was Man. a sonic device, so then if it wasn't that, what was it? Ghosts. Was it chemicals? It was well, ghosts. It's, it's really strange. hmm And there was a similar situation in an embassy in Eastern Europe. Yeah. Last is... week, so they're trying to figure out how all these things, if they're connected or how that works. So wow. Have you heard of, uh, finally, have you heard of Krumpus, Matt? Uh, isn't that, um, or Krampus, excuse me.
3: Yeah. Uh, Krampus garolitis. a tennis player. No. Um, hmm. Krampus. It's when you grab your side of your, your belly and you're like, oh, me got Krampus.
5: No, that's not, that's not it either. So, uh, hmm. while good little girls and boys eagerly anticipate Christmas, yeah. naughty children are instead dreading Krampus Knot, the night which St. Nicholas's wicked counterpart Krampus (laughs) comes to town. Krampus (laughs) is described as a half-goat, half-demon, who, covered in hair, has cloven hooves and goat horns, and is frequently depicted as having fangs and long-pointed tongue. I saw him at the big box store. (laughs) The, the, The hairy character carries a bundle of birch branches to swat naughty children. Krampus sometimes even kidnaps misbehaving children to, uh, wow. Let's just say the kids don't want to be caught by Krampus. It, it turns really bad yeah, for them. Get, it looks like you get whipped. So this is all rooted in pre-Germanic lore. Krampus did not become associated with Saint Nick until the 17th century. Now the two function as a yin-yang relationship and sometimes work together to reward or punish children. Unlike North American versions of Santa Claus, Saint Nicholas does not give uh, does not give naughty children uh, coal. That responsibility is assigned to Krampus. Well. Hold it! They're not working together. My Santa, Apparently, well, no, old
3: Saint Nick would
5: never let Krampus garolitis in. In Germany, that's how Saint Nicholas works. Come on, Germans! It takes place December fifth, which was last night. The uh, Krampus visits homes and businesses to uh, punish children who have misbehaved. Sometimes he and Saint Nick work together, visiting homes to reward some and punish others during the same visit. So, what? like your brother would get. Something horrible and, and because he was bad, and you get something good because you know no
3: wonder Saint honestly, Nicholas
5: liked you, no wonder our world is messed up so in many communities Krampus. the holidays become an elaborate parade in which people walk through the streets dressed like Krampus or his little helpers right and they go back to the the a half goat half demon covered in <laughs> hairs. I mean this is kind of scary time art tradition by many Europeans exchange uh, Krampus cards. <laughs> Which okay. usually feature humorous poems, messages, and rhymes. See, now here's a photo. Doesn't that look fun? Yeah, Krampus is a He's got a
4: baby in a basket. Isn't Krampus what you used to call your ornery old uncle? Yeah. He's such a Krampus.
5: Get off my back, Krampus. Now, yeah. so this is you know how holidays are celebrated around the world. Uh, last year, with all the immigration from uh, you know Middle Eastern t- uh, countries to Europe, mm-hmm. they're taking people in in germany as refugees and they're in these small towns and then on december 5th all of a sudden bonfires get lit at night and people are walking through the streets dressed as krampus and they had to before this go to all the refugees and say okay okay here's what's going on just settle down
3: you're gonna think we're strange but uh, we have this weird demon-like devil horned thing that comes out and may
5: swat you with we realize you just left a war-torn country You're probably a little rattled in a new place. You don't know the language. (laughs) Can you imagine? And this scary thing's going to be out in the street looking for children. Don't worry about it. It's it's kind of
3: one of these Christian things we celebrate, and uh, (laughs) you may you may have a guy start beating you with a twig, but don't worry about it. Can you imagine? (laughs) Nuts. You wouldn't. You're like, I want to go back
5: to the war. It's scary. If you look online, there's photos. They're gathered around a bonfire, and there's all these people dressed in these scary masks, and they're all holding Mm -hmm. sticks, and you're just like. You know, it's it's a wonderfully magic time of year. That's really yeah, what it there's, feels like. Nothing, nothing brings. not
3: like the holidays. Nothing brings peace to this earth more than a little Krampus.
5: There are a handful of movies that you
4: guys could watch as a family that feature Krampus, including the film Krampus why, from just why, a couple years back. Why would we want to do that? Well, it's PG-13. Okay. Um, Is that the only? Well, and just uh, yeah. there are a lot of Christmas movies that come out every year, and most of them are mm-hmm. not that good yep yeah. this one was just not as bad or not it wasn't as good as you
3: hoped it would be yeah but it was still watchable but it seems like to me i just i'm not in the mood for violence scary christmas yeah i'm not yeah. in the mood for violent scary scream like christmases you're not you're not in with the whole die hard as a christmas movie N- no okay <laughs> i but, see it but every... it's at a christmas party right
5: yeah. okay yeah. so no right.
3: we're already experiencing die hard <laughs> i know we don't need to watch it.
4: So my wife spoiled one of the Christmas gifts I was going to give her last night. What one? Which one? So I try to do the 12 Days of Christmas for her every year. It was, a, vac- it was a vacuum, mat. No, 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 no. You're going to love this. One of the Christmas gifts that I was going to give her was that I was going to watch the film White Christmas with her. Oh, That was going to be my gift to her that I would sit through it. Yeah. And not make any comments. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I come home from a movie last night, and she's at the tail end of it. Oh. So Blunt. now I don't have to watch it.
3: Well, now you don't get to I mean, to now
4: I it. don't get to give her that gift.
3: So what are you going to give her instead?
4: I don't know. Maybe I'll watch North and South on Netflix or Poldark
3: no. or something. You know what you could do? Buy her some vacuum bags. Yeah. Hmm. That ought to make her really happy. It'd be a
5: nice accessory with a new vacuum you Yeah, especially
3: it. like on the 11th day of Christmas. When you give her the vacuum. Oh, did she not know? We may have... We may have blown that one. We're sorry. She's not listening. How do you know? She
4: only listens to my show. <laughs> well.
3: hmm, Good, that may be all she has to listen to soon. Hey, up next, we're going to be talking with Enid Green Mickelson about uh, harassment, sexual harassment in the House of Representatives. She's been there. She's served there. I think one of the uh, the third female um, there, I believe, in the House of Representatives. Amazing inside, straight ahead. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Today in our country, many individuals in Hollywood and on Capitol Hill are coming forward to report sexual misconduct that has been going on for years now. Politics in particular are known to have a culture of sexual harassment. How can we change this culture well, here to help us at least understand it and uh, and know really what 's going on is Enid Green Mickelson, who was the third uh, woman and first Republican female ever elected to Congress from utah she 's here today to share with us her experience in the House of Representatives, uh, especially when it comes to this this uh boy this this controversial subject of sexual harassment and she 's going to i think uh, hopefully, Enid, please help us understand how we how we make it through this whole sexual harassment uh, time of political world. Enid, welcome to the program.
6: Thanks, Matt. I'm happy to be here.
3: I love having you on. And um, the Obviously. minute this came out, I'm like, OK, we got to get Enid, because <laughs> uh, you you yourself have had a pretty interesting experience. Um, and I'll let you tell it from your perspective You walk on to the floor, and you have your own version of sexual misconduct uh, taken out on you.
6: Yeah, and and Matt, I want to be careful because my situation was was nothing like the horror that some women have gone
1: through. Mm, Yeah.
6: You know, this was in a public place with everyone watching. This was a man who who thought he was being friendly. But, But what had happened, for those of your listeners who haven't heard... Um, is, you know, I walk on the floor of the House. It's late at night. We're having a late-night voting session where we're, you know, voting every hour or so, and it's the wee hours. And um, I'm new to Congress. I see two individuals that I know sitting together down toward the front of the chamber. And I thought, well, I'll go over and say hello. And so I walk over, and, and one of them immediately got up and said hello. And before I knew it, he kissed me on the lips. Hmm? And.
1: Yeah. That is so and weird. He,
6: and it was just, I know. And it was just, you know, a, like yeah. a, a peck. Yeah. It wasn't some big, long kiss. Right. And I could smell alcohol on his breath. And and so I I kind of walked up the center, you know, got away, you know, just mumbled something about nice to see you or something. And walked I got to go. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mommy. And. And. And said something to another uh, woman who was a member of Congress and just said, uh, you know, th- th- this just happened. And, and she just said, oh, yeah, um, you just can't get too close to him when we're working late at night. And she proceeded to tell me that these two individuals um, who'd been in Congress for a very long time and, and they passed away now. and I haven't wanted to publicly yeah. identify him because I know he didn't mean to be offensive. He thought he was being friendly um, but but so sh- she just said, "Yeah, you know, just don't get close to him if we're working late
3: Oh because wow that's
6: how he says hello to everyone yeah. Do, and,
3: what, do, then what? Do you just say, oh, okay, I mean, I'll just mark that down for a rule? Well,
6: no, that's kind of what I did. Yeah, you to have to, honest, right? With you. Stay safe. Right, because I thought I just, you know, I don't want it to happen again, you know, and, and I've thought about it a lot in the context of all of these women coming forward, and it, it's been interesting to me how some people have, you know, oh, no, he was terrible, he, you know, you should have done more on and on and on versus, you know, I look at some of the things that some of these other women have experienced and they're so much more severe. And, you know, I've personally come to believe in looking at all this, there's kind of a spectrum of behavior and not that any of it's okay, but there are different levels of seriousness. And I think there are different levels of what the punishment should be. But when you talk about fixing it, I think the only thing that's going to fix it is if we all have very public conversations about it, including, including women saying, this is what's okay with me. This is what is not. And you know, some people draw that line differently. Some women are offended if you say, Oh, that dress looks nice on you. Right. Some women think, well, no, that's just a compliment and that makes me feel good. Um, You know, I think part of the difficulty is that men have been, many men, not all, but many men and certainly in older generations have been clueless about what's offensive and what's not. Um, Now you have more of an emphasis on, you know, this is not okay. And some men are saying, okay, I want to do the right thing. What is the right thing? Tell me so I know what it is. So I, I think, but, but I think women are now feeling more, more comfortable in speaking out, but not everybody. I mean, we're talking about, look at, oh, gee, these great stars have come forward. And, right. You know, there are literally millions of women who still experience this. Do you think coming forward?
3: Is there a difference um, with what's going on with our elected leaders uh, versus what we see in Hollywood are, you know, people, movie stars are immediately fired from films, from really successful series. Um, we see Matt Lauer and and uh, Charlie Rose immediately fired yeah. because of their allegations. And then we hear of allegations yeah, uh, with our political leaders, and it there it's it becomes such a political process uh, that it doesn't seem like there is any immediate treatment. Like, I mean, Representative John Conyers yeah. had allegations, and he he now is retiring. But, um, but it, it, so is it different? So
6: many accusers coming forward. Yeah. You know, I mean, finally, it, it, you had so many women from his own staff.
3: Yeah. Coming forward, saying they, I mean, they, they, and, they've and, all and seen him in underwear. I mean. It's yes. it, the the stories you know, and are he's crazy
6: his hand up their side. Yeah, but Matt. Here's what is so appalling about that. He is the, the ranking member, which means he's the lead Democrat on the House Justice Committee. Mm. So the people who are deciding what the laws are about sexual harassment, this guy's one of those leaders.
3: He's the leader.
6: Oh. Yeah. So, you know, how do you argue he doesn't know what the law is or not understand it? And here's the, the dirty secret about Congress, I believe. Yeah. Is that, you know, it, and let me just back up and say, all of sexual harassment is about power. Right. Because, you know, you say it's all of these powerful men doing that. Well, why have they gotten away with it for so long? Because people were afraid to cross them people were afraid if they reported something it would end their career or they would be personally hurt in some way some of these women were threatened with for, with their lives or their safety so you have these powerful people that that were insulated from the 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 consequences of their conduct and you know i mean go back to bill clinton yeah. isn't it interesting that now that the clintons are out of power Suddenly, we're having this. Oh, maybe we didn't treat their their accusers correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, if Hillary had won, would we be having this conversation about Bill? I don't believe so, because people would be terrified. They say, "I can't, I can't criticize Bill Clinton." You know, his wife's the president.
1: Yeah, you can't, I can't mess get with that.
6: Wife's at the president. So, so you have these power imbalances. Well, in Congress, you have. All of these powerful men and women, but who do they report to? If you're the head of a studio, you've still got shareholders. If you are putting out a movie, you still have, you know, a studio that has to make money off of it, and a
3: marketplace.
6: exactly. Yeah. You have all of these all of these factors that say if I don't do the right thing on this, I'm going to lose money and I'm going to lose it immediately and then I'm going to get blackballed as an unsuccessful, you know, fill in the blank, producer, director, actor, whatever it is. Mm. That so th- doesn't happen in Congress. In Congress, you've got all of these mechanisms but, I mean, some of which I didn't know there was a slush fund. No, I didn't. To pay. Seven, I don't think. I don't think anybody knew.
3: Seventeen million dollars paid, I guess, over the last yeah. fifteen or whatever years. And, um, and
6: my guess is that the only people who knew were the ones who were using it. Yeah.
3: yeah. And I, I guess I, I've heard even Mia Love and others are now saying, OK, no more, no more uh, hidden yeah. coffers to pay for these things. I mean, A, is that something that will pass? And B, is it oh, something yeah. that will stop anything?
6: No, it will pass. Okay. It, it will pass because who wants to be the member of Congress that to keep it
3: silent?
6: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the closest thing this reminds me of is the House banking scandal of 25 years ago where suddenly everyone in the public finds out that members of Congress have been bouncing checks for years and years and years and in the thousands and thousands of dollars. And people go, wait a minute, that's not okay." This is the same thing where people say, now that I know about this, I'm outraged by this. And members of Congress will vote for it because they don't want to be the person that said, no, keep it quiet. So it it will pass.
3: Is it going on a lot more? Than, than we know of? I mean, I'm assuming it is. You've lived you know, there.
6: I, 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 I think it is. And Matt, I was kind of insulated because, frankly, I was one of the powerful people. Yeah. You know, I, if, if someone did something really egregious to me, you know, I, had, I could go to the media. I could make their lives miserable. So I was really kind of protected from that. But you see, all of these young staffers who are afraid to, uh, to rock the boat, yeah, and and I think there is stuff going on that we don't know about, and you know we're seeing that it's coming out. I, I think members of Congress now, knowing that there's going to be no slush fund to protect them, and knowing that the public is outraged, and we're kind of ferreting this stuff out, I think the behavior is going to be uh, much more circumspect going forward. But, but because they're trying to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm hoping that having this conversation – you know, my, my attitude is sometimes you can't change hearts and minds, but you can change their behavior.
3: Yeah, yeah.
6: And for some of these guys, they're not going to learn, but they might change their behavior.
3: Does uh, – what's going – oh, in fact, you're the perfect one to ask this question to Again, I'm speaking <laughs> with I'm so glad you're here. Enid, Enid Green uh, Mickelson, who has has served in Congress and uh, for the for the Utah delegation and um, also uh, was the chair of the 2016 Republican National Convention site selection committee, also chair of the 2016 Convention Rules Committee. OK, Enid, what, with what's going on with Roy Moore? Now there's this forever. Everyone was like pushing. Well, at first they started pushing back against him. Mitch McConnell comes out. We can't have anybody like that in the Senate. Uh, Paul Ryan comes out. The president was silent. Everybody was pushing against it. The GOP National uh, Committee and uh delegation weren't. They weren't going to go near the guy. Now apparently they need his vote. <laughs> they really need yeah. his vote. And so everybody's turning. Mitt Romney then comes out and says, "Look." the country's more valuable and important than the party or a vote um, what's your take on it and and should we should this be should we be electing the moral leader or just the party line
6: the moral leader
3: you got it the party it. line
6: we we have to i mean how can how can i sit here and criticize bill clinton which i've done for many years because i think he helped coarsened our social contract with each other. Yeah, we, we, we used to have ways that, that we thought people hate. Not that they stuck to it. You know, John Kennedy had the whole press corps covering for him. But at least we weren't telling people, oh, no, this behavior is OK, as long as you're voting the right way. So so uh, to me, I think Roy Moore should have stepped down. I think there were a lot of people pressuring him to step down. And that was the right thing to do. Well, he won't do it. I mean, this guy is so clueless that he still thinks it's okay that he dated teenagers yeah. as a, a 30-something-year-old district attorney and doesn't see what all the fuss about it. What? What him. is He's the big deal? Gonna <laughs> <You know? laughs> He's not going to get it. He's not going to get it. Right. So I, I think what you're seeing is, is the political class in, in power saying, okay, we need his vote. But my, my bet is, that if he does win, and frankly now it looks like he's going to, yeah. which, yeah, the 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 only way that some of these people save their souls, I think, is to immediately start an ethics investigation, just as they've started one into um, Al Franken.
3: Really? So, so they get him in, they get him elected, they get a vote or two passed while they're then investigating him, and then they censure him or – Whatever. Or
6: throw them out, throw them out. Or whatever you know whatever has to happen
3: um you but, know
6: i and it, yeah i it it makes me sick
3: but it what, we te- yeah, sick what are we yeah what are we teaching me- our kids that that this well, is i right. mean this, this is this is this is these are alle allegations about children at the time right this, this is
6: but 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 now and i have but i have to disagree with Jeff Flake.
3: Yeah, what do you Congress think of that?
6: From Arizona. Who,
3: who, who gave $100. Position
6: gave $100 because his opponent is very pro-choice for mm-hmm. a lot of things that you and I would not feel comfortable with. You know. And, and I had a mentor once that I said, what do I do? I, I asked this person, what do I do when the member of my own party I know is someone who is just not morally strong? Yeah, but I don't want to vote for someone whose policies will help promote the very things that I'm saying are wrong. And he just looked at me and he said, "There have been races where I have written in someone else's name."
3: So you just you you don't necessarily vote against them. You just you vote for someone you can vote for.
6: Yeah, and and yet and yet, Matt, I have to tell you. I voted for Donald Trump in the last election. You did it. And the reason I vote, I did it, and the reason, and I encouraged others to do it. And the reason that, that, that I did that, even though I was uncomfortable with some things about him, um, was that I said, do we do more good with him in the White House or with Hillary Clinton in the White House? And I looked at it as, and you know, people go crazy Mm -hmm. for Hillary Clinton supporters when they say you can't make a moral equivalency between the two of them. Well, you know, the the history is still being written on what the Clintons really did during their time in power. And, And to me, you start with the fact that their foundation that was clawing in hundreds of millions of dollars has suddenly gone dry. Well, gee, why did that happen? That's a whole nother show Hmm. and not maybe a relationship show. (laughs) Yeah, right. But so I I had to look at that and say, okay. so you continue to have this kind of behavior that gets covered up because, you know, her administration is never going to go look at any of the stuff that she did while she was secretary of state. Or do you put in the guy who is, you know, yeah, I'm not comfortable with him on his personal life, but. I'm not comfortable with her on hers either. And I think his policies will be better for the country. You know, some people made the choice to vote for Evan McMullen. Well, as someone who's been in politics for a long time, I knew our choice was between Clinton and Trump, and that was it.
1: Yeah. You know,
6: so I could make myself feel better by voting for McMullen. Or I could say, no, I'm going to bite the bullet and vote for the person who I think does less harm to the country.
5: I
3: guess that actually
6: might do a little good.
3: And that's politics, I guess, in the end is, you know, you got to know what your your goal is. Is it val- Is it moral? Right. Is it is it just to get uh, an election? I mean, and this is where it gets so tangled. And but I, I, I sit there and every day I still go home and my kids are like, so what's the deal with him, Dad? Didn't he date fourteen-year-olds? Right. And I'm like, yeah, probably. I mean, it's alleged. <laughs> it's alleged, and there was a lot of them. And and I don't know. I, I it's a but you've experienced. I mean, what's crazy for me, Enid, is you're walking down the aisle and some guy comes up and kisses you, and you're like, Congressman, hello. Um.
6: Well, and but you know, Matt, in, in, in the time that he was serving as a younger man in Congress. Yeah. Lots of people, lots of men and women g- greeted each other with a kiss on the lips.
3: That's what they did.
6: That's what they did.
3: Wow, times have changed, eh?
6: Well, yeah. You know, I, but I will still tell you that I have a few friends that still unthinkingly do that. You know, and it's kind of like, oh, yeah. you know. And, and people in Utah would see that and just go, oh, my
3: God. God. That's so strange. I mean, but, I lived in Argentina. Went, we did it there, but
6: Sure. That was Argentina. Well, East Coast. Yeah. It went on in the 70s and the 60s. Yeah. And, you know, that's what these people were used to. We don't do it anymore. And I think it's a good thing that we don't do it anymore. Right. For for the sake of marriages and power and all of that kind of thing. But it's it's we we are slowly learning, but it, we're not there yet, and most of this goes on in private, and that's yeah. what makes it so hard for the accusers to come forward, particularly where it's someone who has a position of power over them.
3: What would you tell your kids, Enid, what I mean, your mom, what what do we how do we teach our kids about morals and values and look at Washington? I mean, it seems like there's so many times it's at odds it doesn't yeah. seem like this you know the the place where we go and turn to for our values so how do we how do we just help educate them and understand that this is the world and we can be better
6: well i think part of what we have to do is help our kids understand that people who serve in high positions whether it's politics whether it's business whether it's entertainment can no longer be looked to as our moral leaders, which is regrettable. Yeah, that we should look for those people and support them where we find them, but but not have our kids to the point where you know every time there's a fresh allegation, our kids are going. But, but these are supposed to be good people. I think we have to teach them that that they're not all good people, and and hold out to our kids examples where we can say, now, look, this is a person who lives with integrity, who actually lives the way they campaign, you know, or lives the way they present themselves in public. And when some of those people fall, as they inevitably will, we have to talk with our kids, I think, very frankly, about why people do that you know why they're not telling the truth what they thought they could gain from covering it up why it is not okay to do that Um, but but these are going to be conversations Matt that it's been going on for as long as people have been on this earth yeah Where you have people hold themselves out as one thing and behave in a different way and when they are in positions of power they can genuinely hurt other people's lives. And I think that the, the best thing that we can teach our kids is to be strong and stand up for themselves, to go to people that they trust when they've had a problem like this. And then we as individuals, we, we as parents and grandparents and people who've been around a little bit longer, we have to be willing to speak up about it. We have to be willing to say, this isn't right. Just like with Roy Moore, you know, we, we have to, you know, I'm a Republican. I did a lot of work for the party. I'm still saying Roy Moore should go. And, yeah. you know, we have to be willing to do that. So that gives our kids a roadmap of how to live their lives with integrity, even if people around them aren't doing the same.
3: Beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful advice, Enid. Thank you, and uh, thank you for your time. That you, that your your sentence uh, when you were sentenced to the House of Representatives. Ah, oh, great service you gave us, uh, Enid. Um, thanks again, Enid Green Mickelson, and we're gonna have her back. She's we just pick her brain. You know, she sat in the seats. That we're talking about. She knows these people and uh, she's giving us some pretty, uh, I think, honest insight about how to raise a family when it comes to all of these issues as well. We'll continue the journey straight ahead, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Yes, folks, it's time for Empty News with our Empty News uh, correspondent, Jeffrey Liam Simpson. Jeffrey? The Empty News team. First on the scene, fifth on facts. So
4: we're going to do a couple now, and then we'll take a quick break and come back and do the other one. Do it. Uh, The first two... uh, You sound sad. A couple of people will know one has to do with somebody being duped. The other has to do with somebody being thwarted. Mm. And then when we come back, we'll do the one that's... That's uh more uplifting and kind of a rags to riches story. I'd rather okay? be thwarted than duped. Really? Just if we're taking
3: score. Wow. Yeah, I've been duped and well uh, thwarted involves yeah.
4: you know, legal involvement, and I don't know if I'd want that in my life. Okay. I've had that before. Um there's this Milwaukee woman who was trying to get a head start on the Christmas shopping, and uh there was this guy that was driving around her neighborhood uh, and on his car, he had a big sign that said Black Friday sale. Okay. Yeah. So what's the big deal? Well, red flags should be going up when there's just some random guy with a sign on his car driving around saying Black Friday sale. <laughs> you wouldn't want to buy these types of things from a guy out of a car. Right. Um, She thought she was buying an iPhone. Okay. Yeah. She asked the guy to uh, to test out the phone to see if it worked. Um, she took it home after she noticed that it was working and she was horrified to discover that when she opened up the iPhone box, yeah, it was just a box full of potatoes. Hmm. Like small potatoes, apparently? It must have been. Wow. But this is kind of a big potatoes yeah, type of a thing. she was duped. Yeah. So, uh, and this guy apparently had everything you could name. She says, clothes, shoes, watches, purse, uh, purses, bundles of hair. DVDs, CDs. Hold on, hold, hold, ho, ho, ho. Maybe he gets the hair from all of his victims. Hair bundles.
3: Yeah, <laughs> scalp. He's a scalper. Um. So she paid a hundred dollars for this. Oh. She didn't and open it before then. I guess not. Come on.
4: So yeah, he. She asked him to call the phone, and he showed me the number, and I'm like, "Cool, it's legit. It's ringing. It's working. I want it." <laughs> to add insult to injury. The woman found an Android charger in the box. Oh,
3: that guy!
4: So, good luck charging those potatoes yeah. with the Android no, you charger. Can't.
3: No, you can't. You need a. You totally need a, an
4: yeah. Apple charger. One more quick one. Uh, if you're going to break into a vehicle, you you typically want to make sure that it isn't an unmarked sheriff's office oh, vehicle. That's rule number one, right? Yeah, and that there aren't any deputies inside that vehicle. <laughs> And that's exactly what happened to one Florida man. Uh, Several homeowners caught a man on video as he tried to burglarize seven vehicles in one neighborhood. However, all the doors were locked and nothing was stolen. The next day, Stephen uh, Titland, 49, tried to burglarize an unmarked sheriff's office vehicle. At the time, the vehicle was occupied by the Strategic Targeted Area Response Team, who promptly arrested him. Analysts positively identified him as the same man from the previous night's attempted burglaries. Oh, come on, man. Come on! Think! Isn't that just the worst? When you want to break into a car and there's a an off-duty yeah. police officer there or he's in a car that's unmarked. That guy's got the worst luck. I think they should get a pass. This should have to be a
3: marked vehicle. I, 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 I was just getting in. I was just coming to talk to you guys. Well, well, you know, you, you live and you learn. You live and you learn. That's what the empty news is for folks, giving us uh, more and more information apparently about how to break into cars. Hmm. We'll have more up next. This is the Matt Townsend show. Life is hard, but uh, there's there's nothing that brings more hope than a good rag-to-riches story. And who better to help us with that uh, than our good friend Jeff? Jeff, enlighten us about the joy and hope of uh, going from poor to rich. So imagine that uh, you walk into
4: a California auction room. You're totally broke and unemployed, and you're surviving on disability checks. Yeah. And then 77 seconds later, you walk out a millionaire. What? Yeah. This guy's name is Lauren uh, Kritzer and it's all thanks to a blanket, believe it or not. So his life changed forever when he discovered that a forgotten old family heirloom, a this Navajo, old thing? yeah, it's a Navajo blanket from the 1800s oh, wow. that had just been sitting in his closet for 7 years it was actually worth 1.5 million dollars. Unbelievable. And he got this just in time too he'd been scraping by living in a shack on the edge of California's Leona Valley. And he'd lost a leg after a near-fatal car accident. Hmm. So the sale of the blanket gave me a new lease on life, Kritzer tells uh, CNBC Make It. He inherited the blanket initially because no one in his family realized its value. <laughs> when his grandmother died, he had gone to her house to collect the book she had promised him. Everything was already pillaged through by my sister and my mother. Of Thanks, course. Mom and Sister. Yeah, take uh, everything. Listen to this. though. The last bag in the house held two blankets— was passed down from his great grandmother a softer Hudson, Hudson's Bay blanket and the Navajo blanket his grandmother once laid out on the porch, when her cat was having kittens. <laughs> I don't know who would want a blanket with, uh, hey. but I guess if it's worth one and a half million dollars, sure.
3: I don't even like cats. So I'm here's the uh,
4: here's what the sister said. She grabbed the former the uh, the Hudson's Bay blanket and the latter fell to the floor. I said, what are you going to do with that? She said, I don't want that that dirty old thing. So he said, I picked it up, put it in my closet, and there it sat for seven years. And here's what was going on through the sister's mind after that. Yeah,
3: not so good. See? That's that's a great example. Just, Just do the best you can. Take what they give you. And then go trade it in for $1.5 million. Sometimes it's worth taking a blanket that kittens have given birth on. That's right. All cats aren't bad. Great stuff. Interesting life, huh? And we're all living it. We're living it together. We'll continue the journey next hour. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio.